0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. From the territories to Titan Towers to TNA and all points in between, he's seen and done it all. And now he's here to share the real story behind wrestling's biggest moments, controversies, and characters. The MLW Radio
1: Network presents... Something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard.
2: Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Oh, I'm sick deal. of you, man. We should talk about a little housekeeping for two topics, and then we'll get into this week's <sighs> hashtag what happened when this whole Jesse Ventura thing, man, it just will not die. People are just now getting around to the WrestleMania 7 episode. Thank you for catching up. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, But a lot of folks have really taken issue with you saying that Ventura suggested burning the flag. And I want to clear this up once and for all again. I feel like we've talked about this many times now. Ventura did not suggest that this was a decision or an angle for WrestleMania 7 or Hulk Hogan or a Sergeant Slaughter. He just mentioned it when the law was changed, correct? Exactly,
1: because prior to the law changing, it was illegal to burn the United States flag in America. And it became legal to do so, or not illegal. And it was Jesse's idea. Jesse threw out the idea, hey, Vinny, you should have somebody burn the flag, get some heat. It was not, you know, we didn't use that until we got to the Iraq angle where it made sense for an Iraqi sympathizer to do that. But it was Jesse Ventura did make the suggestion originally when the law changed and uh we just used it a much later date
2: and how crazy is this you guys just had an idea banked it and then used it later when the time was right god that forbid sounds, sounds really common sense yeah well uh, and if you doubt and, and there's been a lot of people saying oh well bruce just suggested this to put heat on jesse there's no heat on jesse google burning the flag and jesse ventura he's been quoted as saying this a hundred times it's not new news because it was on our podcast but what was new news is your good friend at the pro wrestling torch, Mr. Bruce Mitchell. Oh, my God. Uh, texted me uh, just now. There's uh, nothing good or friend about him okay. with me. That's your buddy. Well, your little l- bitch boy. I, well, I don't like that term. Let's use the term you named him, the Greensboro Jackoff.
1: Greensboro Bitch Boy
2: Jackoff. How's that? Oh, we're getting a little hot on this one. So let's run through this. He was well, uh, a guy who has zero credibility,
1: who's never spent 30 seconds inside oh of the gosh. business. Oh, my gosh.
2: Okay. And who. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh I guess he's like a big porn connoisseur and he remembered that Heather Figures. Hunter Well uh Heather Hunter was a big deal uh once Don't upon a of time in adult porn. films. Uh,
1: that that's you know what, man? That's an insult to porn connoisseurs comparing them to that guy.
2: The only two I know for sure are Howard Finkel and, and Bruce Mitchell. Okay. And I didn't know that about Bruce, I just discovered anyway, I digress. All right, you, you digress. Heather Hunter was on Primetime Wrestling. I don't remember that. No, she was on the Bobby Heenan Show. Okay, my apologies. Uh, He probably said that. I'm just doing it from memory now. So, what's the the deal? How was there an adult film star in the late 80s or the early 90s, whatever it may have been, on a WWF program? Well, Heather was a
1: star for H&H Video, which uh, Uh, was a producer of porn. And
2: those are the guys that, that you told that us were to. part owners
1: in Coliseum
2: Video. So it was just a cross-publicity deal. It was a
1: cross-publicity deal. They had someone that they wanted to promote. And we had a new dynamic show on the Bobby Heenan Show. And what better place to put her on? And she had a movie that was called Coming on America. Oh. It was a spoof, a parody of the Eddie Come Murphy Arsenio Hall movie, Coming to America. And we put her on the Bobby Heenan show. And your little rumor, innuendo bullshit, the little bitch boy jerk off from Greensboro, wow. insinuated, Whoa. couldn't be further off base. And again, it, it, it's these people that deal in rumor and innuendo that have no clue what the hell they're talking okay. about.
2: This isn't as fun as I want it to be Can we just talk about uh who who in the in in the company romanced Heather Hunter? No one romanced Heather Hunter. Did anyone have sex with her, Heather Hunter? I, you know, Conrad. Oh, so it was you.
1: Please. Heather was a very sweet young lady. You're Extremely not saying, you're sweet. Not saying lady. No. I, you know, I you know, I'm not, not even gonna dignify that we'll, with an we'll answer. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. And see, your innuendo now. See, people will like that because they talk about how we don't use the word innuendo correctly. You did there. That is only used correctly when you're talking about sex and things like that. There's probably
2: your little bitch boy who started that. So Brother that. Love loved up on some Heather oh Hunter. Oh, my God. I'm not you gonna, weren't married. I'm not dignify, it not matter. I'm not
1: going to dignify your accusations with an answer. Is she
2: the only porn star you were with at <sighs> that time, that year? I mean, I can be quiet a long time here. All right, let's get into it, Bruce. Uh, this is a time. Sometimes I hate you. Well, I understand the feeling is mutual and I think people dig it. We're talking about a deep subject. It's TNA. Uh, So we've got a lot to talk about and we're going to try to cram this in. Uh, we could probably make this a two week show instead of a two hour show. We're going to do our best to jam it in as much as we can, just like you did with Heather Hunter. Uh, first of all, tell us, how did you get hired with TNA? For those of you who, who are constantly asking Bruce left the WWE in 2008, uh, did some other stuff, uh, started some businesses, uh, had a run doing some of that stuff. And then when, and how did you get hired with TNA when you first went to work with them in the fall
1: of 2010, I got a call from Eric Bischoff and Eric was working, had been at TNA, he and Hulk had gone there. They'd been about a year. Uh, working with TNA, and Eric called me, asked me what I was doing, and what my relationship was with Vince Russo, and if I had any heat with Russo.
2: And that stemmed from, believe it or not, once upon a time, you had another podcast. Uh, I did. and, And on that podcast, you had been reviewing Raw, and you had been reviewing Smackdown, and you had been reviewing TNA, and Maybe you had been a little critical of the TNA product. Is that I fair was very to say? critical
1: of the TNA product at the time. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, but also, I'd, I'd been on Steve Austin's podcast, and I simply, when asked about Vince, I, Vince Russo, I commented that the guy that makes the decisions in the WWF, WWE, is the same guy that's made the decisions since the 80s, and the same guy that made him in the 90s, 2000, same guy making him now, same guy that will make him until he takes his last breath, and that's Vince McMahon. Right. And while Vince Russo was there, that he came up with some great ideas and had a hell of a run there, but it wasn't as... Vince Russo would like you to believe sometimes that that he was the end-all, be-all. It was blessed by Vince McMahon, and there was an editor involved and a filter, and that filter being Vince McMahon. And Russo took exception to that. And we talked about it, asked me if I said it. I said, yeah, sure did. Next. And, you know, we we got through it. I I like Vince Russo. I always always thought I got along with Vince Russo. Um, Vince never really had any heat with me. I guess I did with him. But um you know we talked asked me to come in and help them out with TV production backstage at their events when they recorded their TVs and I was happy to do so you know I was, I was looking for something to do
2: Okay so two things I want to ask about One um what was everybody's role because you, you said Hogan, Bischoff, and then Russo. So I want to delve into that. But first, I want you to elaborate on what you just said when you said I did production and backstage and blah, blah, blah. I want you to be very specific. Talk to us like we're third graders for a minute. Break down exactly what your duties would have been when you say production and backstage and whatnot.
1: I produce the backstage stuff.
2: Golly. Here we go. So when you produced, you're saying you go find the talent. You go find the cameraman. I
1: had other people go do that. You go... Will you
2: help me? <laughs> Why are you doing this?
1: <laughs> what? Okay. Production, you know, they, they have a run sheet. It's, uh, some people call it a script. Back in my day, if you know, somebody asked you had a, if you had a script, meant you had a handful of pills. Nowadays, people ask you got your script, it's a sheet of paper, a bunch of words on it, telling you what to do and what to say.
2: And Vince Russo would have written this run sheet. The
1: scree is zipped, yeah.
2: And the screa zipped would be back time to be approximately the length of the show and it would usually have some dialogue in there and maybe a big spot in a match or roughly the number of minutes in a match, whatever was pertinent to the angle.
1: Um, yeah, and the, and the backstage stuff that you see that shot out of the arena, those are, you know, you get talent earlier in the day, you shoot those, and I would you know, tell them what to do, tell the camera how to shoot it and what to do. from.
2: So you'd pick like a location, yeah. shoot it from this angle, sure. move your head that way, move your hand this way, whatever yes okay so you're only doing per shot deals here was that
1: i was only coming in and at that time i was just working the television tapings
2: so it was like a per diem
1: here's what we well, not a per diem it was just a per day like a like a um contract contract. yeah like like one of the boys exactly
2: uh and so they would fly you from houston to Houston to orlando or wherever they were doing tv yeah And most of the time, so are they doing TV on the road at this point? Well, the,
1: uh, when I first went in, they did a pay-per-view in Daytona beach. Okay. So, or Tallahassee, I don't know, Daytona beach. Yeah. That was
2: actually, I think the first one that you were there for. Right. Uh, so that's 10, 10, 10. Correct. That's going to be bound for glory. 2010. Ironically, the theme song for that show is uh, written and performed by Billy Corgan.
1: Imagine that small
2: world. And I told
1: you I'd never heard any of his music before. Yeah, that shocked me.
2: Uh, I I didn't realize you were so damn old that you didn't know any of his 1979 or any of that stuff. I know Merle Haggard's. Yeah, well, real time. So uh, you're doing just kind of like the day deal, um, and we kind of ran through some names to start here. You said Hogan, Bischoff, and Russo. Uh, Hogan and, and Bischoff are... Longtime friends of yours. I know you get along okay with Russo, I guess, now, too. But um, let's just address the elephant in the room. I think a lot of both of those guys. But the narrative would certainly be, oh, Hogan and Bischoff came in and ruined the company. They took all the money and made us go live on Mondays and put us on the road and put us in the red. And they were siphoning off all the hmm. money. What was your perception at the
1: time? Well, my per- well, the reality of the situation was they brought Hogan in. And Eric came along with him, and they brought Hogan in to broaden the name and get more recognition for sure. TNA by having Hulk, Hogan. having Hulk Hogan. And they were looking for him to get them deals and more sponsorships and also international deals. His name of the meant name. something. It, his name still means something. Sure, sure, sure. And it was Hulk Hogan. And Eric with his production background, and Eric had connections, and Eric is a great producer and gets a bad rap. But I, I think Eric's a damn talented son of a bitch. And they were using them and you know, you talk about the Monday night thing that they did when they tried to compete with WWE on yeah. Monday nights. Um at least they had the balls to go do it. At least they were trying something different than what they had been doing yeah. that wasn't working. Right. So they tried something new. It didn't work. They adjusted and moved right. on. I, I would have done that differently. If, if I had been there, I but would But you have, respect the balls. I respect the balls. I respect them for doing something different, changing the norm. And a lot of people, change is difficult for people. So they changed
2: the norm, they challenged the status quo, and they well, went out and, and did something different. It's also easy to armchair quarterback so decisions course. like that. Yeah. But you, well, I guess what I was getting at is, you know, you hear a lot of the younger guys, and this is common. This goes back, you know, decades in wrestling. They always want to talk about who's on top and that they're holding them down and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the guys, I think, had just read so much of the Internet and so much of the books. and
1: Rumor and you know, innuendo.
2: Yeah, and so they, they were led to believe, oh, if Hogan and Bischoff are coming in, they're going to hold us down. But your perception was totally different from that. Is that fair to say?
1: It is. No, that, without a doubt. that's That's definitely fair to say because they were trying to build it up. So what was you that? know their reputations were on the line just as much as everybody else's, if not more so. Right. Who gets the credit for it? Uh, you know, not working out. Hogan and Bischoff. Do they get the credit for having the balls to step out and and do something different? Right. That that's the part that gets me. And you know, everybody can sit back and go, oh, they never should have done that because, well, they did. It's easy to and say they that own it. now. It's very it easy work. to say yeah. that now,
2: but but they weren't the ones there making that decision and saying, hey, let's let's go out and try this. It's it's like a football game, you know. If the play works, it's a great play. Yeah. If or it, it doesn't you, work, it's a terrible yeah, play. Yeah, if you
1: if you want to sit behind your computer and second guess everything and send your little newsletter out, then I, yeah, you know.
2: Um what is Bischoff's official title
1: when you come in? Good question. I think Eric was executive producer at that point. What was Hogan's?
2: Hulk Hogan. His title was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. What he was, didn't
1: have a title. He was Hulk Hogan. What did he do? Uh, Hulk, you know, advised and would give his input on creative things. and So he'd sit in on overall, booking meetings and, would, and stuff? No. Eric sat in on, on the booking meetings forum, kept him apprised of it, but Hulk would have suggestions. Hulk would sit in on production meetings, day of TV, and give his two cents. But they used Hulk for his name. They used Hulk to go out and, and try and get sponsors. It and, was
2: really like um, almost like a licensing deal. Just, yeah, just permission to pretty use much. it. Um, what was Russo's but, title? Writer. Who, who was the head writer? Russo. Okay. Uh, so let's run through some other names here. Uh, Terry Taylor. He was at the company when you got there. You really don't like that guy. I don't not like him. So Tim, I like you, everybody.
1: I just like some people more, some people less.
2: And you can find out who you like more and less at Pro com forward slash Which Bruce is because I
1: love you doesn't mean I like you. That's right.
2: But you're going to love the way you look in that shirt. Check it out. Pro com Forward slash Bruce Pritchard. Uh Terry Taylor was there, and he was in talent relations. Correct. when you uh, eventually get the nod to be full-time. So when do you make a transition from going on just a, a per-shot deal to being full-time?
1: Um, they, that would have been April, May of 2011. So I'd come in between October and that time. And so about
2: six months later. Yeah. So they kind of just use you on TV tapings and pay-per-views and just kind of fill you out. And then once they're comfortable, six months later, they extend a full-time offer. Who does that come from? Dixie. Does she just meet you at a taping? Does she fly you in the Nashville
1: they, they started flying me in, I want to say maybe in January of 2011, and, and I would come in for a day or two and meet with the powers that be, uh, I sat with Creative a couple times. And just
2: then, in Nashville?
1: Just in Nashville,
2: yeah. Okay, and this is at the Cummins Stations building? Yes. Okay. Yes, downtown Nashville. Can, can you compare those offices to uh, Titan Towers? <laughs> I'm not, not saying as a knock. I'm saying a lot of people listening don't know that there's a difference or have never been to them or... Uh, I'm well, not saying one is better than the other. I'm just, you know, have you ever been to the waffle house? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love the waffle house. You
1: do. Yeah. And waffle house is great. Um, you've been to the Palm. I have. Okay. One's a Palm and one's waffle house.
2: So you liked them both, but maybe one, sure. one was They're a different. little fancier than the other. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yes. Okay. They, bo- they both provide food and steak. They both feed people. They both provide steak.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Different quality, but that's. I mean, you're really talking about just the building, I guess. I mean, but by the way, I like both. I do too. But I guess what I was kind of looking for is not so much who had better crown molding, but more was the environment similar or is it totally different? Oh, totally different, totally different. The vibe at TNA was much more
1: laid back, much more relaxed. And and I don't want anybody to misconstrue this. I I enjoyed a lot of my time at TNA, working with the talent and yeah. in the creative end of things. I loved working with those guys. It was a lot of fun. And with all the situation that's taking place now, I find it sad because I don't want to see them go out of business. Nobody does. I'm a wrestling fan. I love the business. And I think it's healthy to have more than one group in in business. And I think that they are imperative for the survival of the wrestling business. It will always survive. It will never die. They're like cockroaches. Uh, The wrestling business will never die. Um but you know, it was just different, completely different environment. There wasn't that twenty-four-seven intensity that you had at WWE. It
2: feels like uh, WWE operates with a sense of urgency.
1: Well, here I'll give you a comparison. Vince McMahon had no problem calling me at two, three o'clock in the morning, and just expecting you to be on it. On it. I mean, no hesitation, no get the sleepy dirt out of your eyes, just be ready to rock and roll. Dixie Carter called me one night, one day on a Friday afternoon, about three 30 and apologized for disturbing me. While knowing that the weekend was coming and well, it's, it's late on Friday. You're probably, you know, wanting to be with your family.
2: Do you chalk some of this up to Vince just being such a type A overachiever or is a lot of this just, the north versus the south. The south is a oh, little no, slower, laid back. Oh, no, they're completely, no, nah,
1: man, completely, com- no, business, man. One had drive and one, you know, their entire life depended upon it, and
2: the other. Not so much. Not so much. So let's get back to it. Uh, we're now uh ish of 2011. And Terry Taylor is in talent relations, and now you're going to be a part of talent relations as well. Uh, I believe that your official title was talent relations, or when you first go full-time, The what, official title was going to be vice president of talent relations. Okay. Um, how does that affect Terry Taylor? What was he doing before? What was he doing after? When does he leave?
1: Terry was handling uh, the, the paperwork, the contracts, and the booking of the talent in the live events and appearances and things of that nature. It really wasn't going to affect Terry other than Terry would now answer to me and I would supervise Terry, but his role was not going to change at all. Now, Terry didn't know to my knowledge, but then again, you know, I don't
2: know who the hell knew what up there. Uh, let me run through that. Terry Taylor is going to be in the office in Nashville and you're going to be at home at home in Houston. Correct. And you're his boss. Yes. And he's in the office. Yes. And you're not. Right.
1: Terry Taylor doesn't feel slighted by that. Well, he didn't. Again, I don't know if Terry ever even knew that. What do you mean? I don't know if Terry knew that I was coming in full time to be in talent relations at all. He quit? Uh, He was let go. Why was he let go? They, you know, that's a damn good question. I was sitting at home and I was told that they were going to bring Terry in and let Terry know uh, the new structure and what was going to be happening and that he would be doing this. And I get a phone call from Brian Wittenstein, who was Terry's assistant. And he started asking me all these questions. And I said, whoa, 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 what What are you talking about? He says, well, Terry's gone. They told me to just ask you. So they had let Terry go for whatever their reasons were and just sent out something to everybody saying, hey, Bruce Pritchard's now in charge of talent relations. And I they didn't even call me to tell me Terry was gone or they were making me to, that announcement or yeah. they were making that announcement and all of a sudden I'm getting all these questions. So which should have been a sign sign then but uh continued throughout the well, tenure. It, help me understand.
2: Isn't that stupid that you're going to be in Houston and he's in the office and you're his boss?
1: Well, I was just going to oversee what he did and, and it wasn't that difficult. Well, I mean was he screwing up? Um, I don't think that he was doing the job that they were looking for him to do.
2: All right. We're not trying to bury him, but help me understand if you're in talent relations, for those of you who maybe weren't paying attention a minute ago, what you're talking about is helping negotiate contracts with the talent. We're talking about wrestlers for the most part. Uh, you're going to book the house shows, not necessarily the buildings, the venues, the advertising. But just the actual match. You card. make it sound like there's nothing to that.
1: No, no. You got to deal with all with all the personalities and all the talent on a daily basis,
2: dude. You've seen how many personalities I juggle uh, in my life. I get it. I'm, I'm not saying it's not a full time gig. Well, It's not that hard. Oh I mean, you God, you just write mortgages all day. No, I'm it's just easy. I'm just saying there is a different division to handle buildings and venues and Correct. promotions. Yes, talent relations is is the guys taking bumps and you know making towns.
1: Dealing with all those personalities.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, what was he when you say you don't think they were doing? He was doing the job they expected. Did you know of something that he missed? Um, I just don't think
1: they were real happy with him at the time. All right. So here's, and they and they were and you got to understand, man. They were vague. So TNA's
2: always been vague. Is that fair to say?
1: Without a doubt. And and it it was a situation where. When there were things that were uncomfortable to deal with, rather than dealing with them, uh, Jeff Jarrett described it to me as, it's it's like an ostrich that sticks its head in the sand and just keeps its head in the sand until everything blows over. And that was kind of the M.O. of a lot of things there.
2: Um, Zig Ziglar used to say, meaningful, specific, or wandering generality. It feels like as we're talking here, WWE and Vince McMahon are meaningful specifics, and at times some of the decision making from TNA would lead you to believe they were a wandering generality. That's an excellent analogy. Dutch Mantel, is he there when you get there? Nope. Dutch is, uh, uh, once upon a time, was a really big deal for TNA. Uh, Jim Cornette, is he there when you're there? Nope. Uh, Scott DeMore, is he there when you're there? Nope. Um. This mother's day and father's day look no further for the perfect gift than paint your Life.com. It's worked for me every time. And when I say every time I mean it, I've used paint your Life.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from paint your My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day, a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see, PaintYourLife.com can really create a hand-painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know Paintyourlife.com has my back. And they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about paintyourlife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam, you're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson. Paintyourlife.com that can become a reality. You can put people and places together and Even if they've never been there, you pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks, but you work hand in hand with the artist to get every detail. Perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion. That's what I got. And I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 87204. That's WRESTLE to 87204. Text WRESTLE to 87204. And bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I guess we're going to go straight to Come on, man. What? What do you want to do? What? We're going to go straight to what? Uh, I want to know about Jeff Jarrett and I want to know. Jeff was there. Had the whole Karen angle thing happened by the time you were there.
1: Yes, uh, Jeff, the whole Karen and and Kurt Angle situation had already taken place, and Jeff had already been um, suspended or whatever they did with him. I, I don't know. That was another weird thing. When you talk to people there, uh, no one was ever given any explanation officially as to what Jeff's role was or. Because
2: he's part owner. He's, he's part, part owner
1: and And he's not coming in the office anymore, and not returning phone calls and no people are told not to call him. And you know, here's a part owner, but people in the office didn't know. Sounds familiar. What 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 the hell was going
2: on? Um, talk to me about, you, you mentioned to me once, uh, when you were in a booking meeting or just freestyling with some of the guys, you made a suggestion about using that angle.
1: Yeah, this was actually before, I started there full time and and the real life situation of was everywhere and Karen breaking up and, uh, Karen ending up with Jeff, this real life. And I think that it it was an issue and an angle that a lot of people can relate to. We all know someone whose marriage has gone awry and, you know, people know someone who's been divorced and gone through a messy divorce and it's very relatable. Yeah. Saw so brought up one time, why are we not exploiting this real life saga I was Told very quickly that that was a no, no. And that, uh, that would never ever happen. Don't ever bring it up. And I, okay. And I brought it up about 20 more times. And finally we did it.
2: Who told you not to, not to bring it up. Eric Bischoff's the one who
1: actually brought it up, but the directive came from, uh, Someone Eric Bischoff's Dallas. the one
2: who told you not to do
1: it. Eric is the one who told me that that it had already been suggested and fully been, you know, gone through and that he had already been told never going to happen.
2: And then eventually they do use it. Yeah. Uh, who told him not to? You mentioned Dallas. Can I assume that this is a lady named Janice? You'd be correct in your assumption. Um, you want to talk about her now or you want to wait and do it later? You're the host of the damn show. I mean, I'm just. You are. You're the permanent guest. I like that. We'll come back to her. Okay.
1: Um,. I, I got a suggestion, yeah, and we talked about this, and I, and I don't know the names on your, sure, sure. on your thing there, and I said, you know, we've never done a word association. You want to flip the script? Because everybody does word association at the yes. end. You want to do it first? Let's do it first. And then
2: that'll help you maybe with your line of questioning and, and, I like it.
1: and attacks
2: with daggers well, later we'll, on. We'll go We'll go to in front of the camera, and then we'll circle back to behind the camera. How's that sound? You're the host. I'm just the guest. Okay, um... You can freestyle as many words as you'd like on okay. each
1: one. I'll try to keep it brief.
2: The decision to split Devon and Bubba—that's
1: not like a word association.
2: No, I'm just saying. Did you uh, did you know at that time Devon's going to tread water? Bully Ray is going to be a superstar.
1: I don't think anybody knew that. I think you know the idea was for both of them to trying to do something. When they got into it, Bubba's the one that excelled. Bubba's the one that, that stood out. Devon's a great tag team guy. He's good support. But he wasn't
2: able to... Yeah, we're not trying to bury Devon. I'm a huge yeah. Dudley Boy fan. I'm not, trying to bury him. I'm not trying to bury him either. No, I'm yeah. just saying, the, the fact but, of bu- the matter But is. Bubba became the man. Yeah. And uh, I hope he gets an opportunity to do that in the WWE before he calls it a career.
1: I do, too. I think he'd be great.
2: Uh, aces and eights.
1: What about it? Well, you got anything? We're
2: doing word association. Yeah, I, God I, damn well, it. Well, not the yeah, but the,
1: okay. Um, I'm sorry. You're, I'm the dumbass that suggested this. <laughs> <it. laughs> okay. Um, Aces and eights. I loved it, man. You know. Okay. Hey, it was it was an idea that I was a part of, so I loved it. I thought it was good. I thought it was edgy, and and um, never got a chance to play out the way that it was supposed to.
2: China. Not WWE China, TNA China.
1: Ill thought out.
2: How do you mean? This, I thought you were going to get into this later.
1: Giving you word association now, then you dig in later.
2: Okay, we'll circle back to China. Okay, if you want to. Ken Anderson. Ken Anderson had a bad rap in the WWE, or at least it seemed that way. The way he left, kind of unceremoniously, I comes thought this down would here. Be
1: easier than it is.
2: This was I, your idea. I know. Um. Come back to him too. No, you know, Kenny. Kenny was,
1: I guess you could say, disappointment. Wow, because there was a lot of a lot expected from him. Sure, and given, he was he was over
2: like Rover uh, in WWE.
1: At one time in WWE, oh, sure was. Yeah. And, and I think that the match with Batista by the time by the time Ken got to TNA, I think that his confidence was shot, and I think that he was second guessing himself so much that it affected his performance, and that. That place will do it to you, man. They'll, they'll browbeat you to the point where you just think you're the dumbest son of a bitch walking the face of the earth.
2: Do you think he was a victim of WWE politics?
1: I think that Kenny was a victim of his own. Um, he was injury prone and had some injuries. Timing was horrible.
2: Injury prone is, is the perception, you're saying, of WWE.
1: Correct. I wasn't there when Kenny left, so I don't know what happened with Ken and WWE.
2: But when you were there yeah. with him in WWE, you don't remember any heat?
1: No. That was... No, other than no. No. And I bring up the injuries. That wasn't heat. That was just an unfortunate situation that happened.
2: Uh, low key. Overrated. Wow. Okay. I didn't expect such a quick answer on that one. I love low key. Jay Lethal. About the
1: best thing, Jay Lethal, the only good thing that I've ever seen Jay Lethal do was his imitation of Ric Flair.
2: I like Jay, personally. I'm, dis- I'm disappointed hear you say that. Why is that? I, I really like Jay Lethal. Well, I do. Okay. But uh, but
1: Doesn't again, like tell t- t- tell me what he's done. Other than imitate well, F- other than doing an uncanny imitation of Ric Flair, a great imitation of the Macho Man, Randy Savage.
2: He was Ring of Honor champion for like a year. And TV champion. The what champion? Oh, my gosh. Let's just move on. Gail Kim. There's somebody you like. I love Gail Kim.
1: I think Gail Kim's one of the best female wrestlers uh, ever in the business.
2: TNA Hall of Famer and, and should be, hopefully one day, a WWE Hall of Famer. I above. hope so, man. I, you know, she, she works her ass off. Um, how cool would it be to see her in the WWE right now, now that they're taking women's wrestling seriously again? Uh, she'd, she'd tear it up think there's any chance of that happening or did she burn a bridge i come on you can't burn a bridge there so but do you do you think she i mean i would love to see it i don't remember how she left did she leave on not so great terms
1: i wasn't there when she left so
2: okay um chris saban y'all made him champ when you were there who come on half of the motor city machine guns him and alex oh my god um, no, I like Chris. We, we make you're right.
1: We made Chris champion. I did. That was a funny ha ha for both of you, Chris Saban fans out there. Hmm. Um, I, I you're did. You're a dick today. I, I got a lot of respect for Chris, and I like Chris a lot. And he was one of those. You just guys, said
2: who when I said his name, and now you're saying I, have I a just lot of said I was for. making a ha ha. Is that a rib? It was, was a ha- no. It was a ha ha. Was making Chris. No, was Saban was a the champ. A
1: Absolutely rib. not. No, it was a way to get you know an underdog over. And, um, no one, no one was going to call it. No one was expecting that. And I thought it,
2: I thought it worked. Uh, James Storm, you guys made him the champ too. After a lot, being a longtime tag team guy, uh, he kind of helped put TNA on the map in the original early Wednesday pay-per-views with Chris Harris. Chris Harris would be signed to WWE as Braden Walker wash out really quickly. People thought he was the star. And then James Storm winds up becoming the guy with longevity. What's your... Two cents on James.
1: You ever have a mailman that uh, delivers some days right at nine o'clock in the morning and then other days he doesn't show up until two o'clock in the afternoon and sometimes he leaves your shit on the mailbox on the mail truck. It's about the best way I can describe James. Love him to death. I think he's a hell of a talent. I think he's entertaining. He thought he was but inconsistent. He was inconsistent
2: not just in terms of showing up on time you mean his performance no i'm talking about his performance yeah and his intensity and
1: some if that, he was into something he was all in but if he didn't feel it all the way i didn't feel that there was
2: always he 100% was an artist so he had to be motivated okay i uh, know i'm just freestyling yeah, i'm asking. I mean, is uh, that okay. the deal i guess uh is any of that to do with injuries i know he's been beat up pretty good well, not that rumors I and innuendo would say he's had some injuries. Okay,
1: but yeah. He was uh, not when that. I was there. I don't really okay. remember him having any injuries. Other Whose than...
2: decision was it to make him champ?
1: Well, that was during the Bobby Roode time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was simply something that we did. Hulk really liked him and thought he'd be a good champion. It was a transition uh, for Bobby Roode. And it was a way to, once we saw what we had in Bobby Roode, it was like, nah, man, we've we got to go with Bobby. And it was a way to get Bobby over. But the original idea for Bobby to become champion was to get to the point for James to come back and really be that guy and be the champion. And that's why I say, you know, on the inconsistency, as we got closer to it, it just, it wasn't working. They weren't buying him.
2: the uh, The contract he had... At some point, expired with TNA, and he actually appeared on a couple of NXT shows and then went back to TNA, uh, ultimately deciding to go there, uh, seemingly for more money. Do you think that he missed an opportunity with WWE, or do you think that NXT would have been his ceiling, based on what you're saying? Probably
1: would have been his ceiling. Um, I do think that
2: James had a lot more in him than he he gave all the time. Um, Can you think of another performer maybe from back in the day, the 80s or 90s, who you would liken him to in that regard. Not as far as look, not as far as work, but just, hey, sometimes he's the man. Other times, he's finding it in. Oh, there's probably
1: a few of them off the top of my head. It's hard to think of one, but there, there's probably a few of them.
2: Let's talk about Bobby Roode. You mentioned him there. Champ. He's, he's now with um, NXT. A lot of people are really high on him. I've heard for a long time people say that he one of the most underrated performers in the business. Started with TNA at the Team Canada gimmick more than a decade ago. Uh, and then finally gets a singles run when you're there. You guys put the belt on him. Whose idea is that? And what's your one word or few words you want to mention about well, him? We already said the
1: one word I'd probably say for Bobby Roode is underrated. And Bobby was such a performer, great guy, and really underrated. And he was one of those guys that flew under the radar for so long. Wow. But yet. Well, hang on, but yet he was the guy that really was the star and really made uh beer money, um, whatever the hell that the fortune yeah. thing and all that stuff that they did, you know, rude was the guy that was, in my opinion, you know, sitting there when you really analyze it, there was the glue that made all that shit work. And when we put him out on his own, his star just shone so bright. And I was happy that he finally got an opportunity to be that guy. Bobby Roode, I believe when he gets to WWE will be a mega star. You
2: mean mean the main roster? I mean, the main roster. Do you think he even needed NXT? He could have went straight to the roster, don't you think?
1: He probably needs NXT for the WWE. Does that make sense? No. He needs to be there to show them how good he really is. Oh, I see. In their, in their pond at least in the NXT, he's being given an opportunity to be the big dog and to show everybody how good he is. So, yes, he needs NXT to get to do you think the main a, roster.
2: When you're saying that, I can't help but wonder, do you think there's some sort of TNA bias? In the probably. Like probably, the, but I hope, I think they're getting over that. Well, with AJ, it certainly
1: Obviously, seems that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't have picked AJ many years ago to be on the WWE roster, much less the champion. I think he deserves it. I'm happy as hell for him.
2: Let's just go with him right now. He is on my list. But uh, AJ Styles, when you first get there, what's your impression? And um, does it change while you're there? My first initial
1: impression with JJ was AJ. Hey, AJ well, you know what I meant. You know, you know, huh? Huh? Uh, AJ. When I first got there, I thought, oh God, you know, uh, he's been here so long seen it done it next once i got to know aj and i saw his work ethic and felt his passion for the business he loves it i got a completely different feel and i really appreciated it uh, he left 100% out in the ring every single night no matter if there were 10 people or 10,000 <laughs> i said 10,000 people in tna uh
2: 3,500 okay
1: Uh, but AJ was, was a pro every night, busted his ass no matter what. And he was passionate about what he did. So I think that he's one of those guys that deserves what he has right now. I'm happy as hell for him and he'll be a top star for a long time.
2: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, he's been fun to watch, uh, as long as I've been watching wrestling again, um, how much of a bias do you think there was with the WWE for AJ Styles based on him being a, a Southern wrestler, B having an accent and C not being six foot five, all the above
1: (laughs) they are biased against him for, I, I think that there is, there's that WWE Northeastern Yankee, New York bubble that what would Vince have thought of his accent? Ah, goddamn Hick Southerner. Um, you know, like you, yeah, um, I get it, but there, there really is. It's like, they forget that there is the rest of the world. There's the rest of the it's world, not just, these handful yes, of states. not just these, you know, Yankee bastards that eat bagels and whatever else they do up there.
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, when you first, you know, are around AJ, you know, he was, for, I have a Southern bias and I'm Southern. Sure. Well, because you spend so much time being brainwashed by Vince, but I digress. Uh, he was a big deal for a long time in TNA, and it feels to me like um, at certain points TNA's booking would lead you to think that they maybe thought, in order for us to get to the next level, we need an outsider. AJ got us this far, but if we're going to get to, and I hate that phrase, the next level. The next level. Let's get outside of the box. Yeah. There's another one I hated. Well, I just think that they probably thought, hey, in order to do that, we need to go to some of their old stars. And that always kind of felt like just reheating someone else's leftovers rather than really offering a true alternative, which is what AJ offered. Which is obviously what Vince sees now because he put him on SmackDown and put the belt on him right after the brand split. He wanted to offer a true alternative to Raw, and that's AJ Styles. And even Vince sees it in 2016. Sure. And... You can't just go and, and look. Well, who who else is
1: available? One thing I did try to do while I was there was not necessarily look at who el- who's available out there. Oh, God, who'd they let go to, of today?
2: Because um, that had happened, whether it was Christian Cage or Kevin Nash or Booker T or Scott Steiner or, yeah. or Hulk Hogan or Sting or Kurt Angle or Jeff Hardy. As soon as they're you know gone, we gotta sign them right away, and that's happening even now. Guy got fired from WWE. Well, let's let's use him. Um, You know,
1: one thing I I did try to do was look within and see who who we have within because well, that's hard to argue that you didn't
2: do that when you say James Storm, Bobby Roode, Chris Sabin, and let's go to another name, Austin Aries. You guys made him the champ while you were there, I believe. Or yes, we did. He had a title run. I'm curious, uh, Austin Aries is a guy who at times has a reputation, if you believe the rumors and innuendo, of being difficult to do business with. That's what they said. You didn't find that to be the case? Absolutely not.
1: And, and I confronted Austin with that when he first came in. So when you the say first they night. said
2: that, you mean other TNA management? Yeah. What was the rap?
1: The rap was that he was difficult to deal with, didn't like to do jobs, always had you know opinions, didn't want to do it the way you wanted to do it. Um, I never got that from him. He was passionate about his craft and you have to understand too, when, when I suggest something, it's a suggestion Yeah, and you're, you're talking to an artist, you're talking to a talent. I want to hear what they have. They're out there interpreting it. So I want to hear what ideas they have and how they think it might
2: be done differently. If they have a better idea, I'm open to it. You told me your philosophy on that was really borrowed from Pat Patterson's uh, from early booking meetings you would have with Vince. It was you what and if? Pat and he, and give everybody kind of the rundown on the proper way that you would kind of challenge or suggest or tweak.
1: Well, or Well, I, I, I have talked about it before where I was, I was very just bullheaded and I would, if I didn't agree with something, I'd say, like, ah, it sucks. And Pat Patterson, suggested to me one day says you know I get it and it may suck it truly may suck you may be right but if you approached it in a different way, you may get a lot more um, reception I guess you know would be the right yeah. way to say it because when you say something sucks or you say that they stinks, have to go on the defensive immediately go on the defensive and they've got to defend their idea versus if you absorb it try it on. And if you have a better idea, you say, what if Right. two words mm-hmm. can make a big difference? And you say, what if we tried it this way and have an idea, right? Have a solution may not be the right solution. Just
2: don't bitch to bitch. Give don't just idea. bitch to bitch. And if you have nothing better then keep your mouth shut. And so you carried that over to TNA. So you would yeah. approach a guy like Austin Aries and say, what if we tried this? Right. And then it just becomes a free-flowing conversation like exactly. we are now. Exactly, and, and Austin's a talented guy, man. He had good ideas,
1: and I never, had, I never had a problem dealing with him. The
2: guys who were saying he was difficult to work with before, do you think they had that what-if type approach? Or... No. Okay. No, they're
1: very dogmatic, and, 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 and one of them was Terry Taylor. But Terry is one of those guys, his way or the highway. I say. And he's the, only, he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's the only one that knows how to do it. And, and Terry didn't, um, my opinion. And that's how he approached things, that it was coming from him, and he was the boss, and you're going to do it.
2: You're my Um, subordinate,
1: so do it. Yeah. I I tried not to do that. Right. There were times that you have to do that. But if someone had a different idea and a different opinion, I always listened. Uh, Eric Young. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
2: yeah, I think they even put the belt on him. He did some stuff with uh, NXT. He's done some stuff on cable. Is he ever going to make it with the WWE and be bigger than he is right now? For me, the jury's
1: out on Eric. Um, Still? Yeah. Why is I, I I love the stuff that uh, Eric did on the Discovery Channel, the television show he had. Right. That's where I really saw his personality. Backstage? When you're talking to Eric and, and you're around him, very entertaining, very personable. Um I just wasn't a big fan of of his on screen persona. Didn't get it. Um wasn't a big fan. And and then when I saw the stuff on Discovery I said, God damn, there's something there. Yeah. And tried to get it out, but I don't know. I, I just didn't get it. I hope he I hope he does well there because he's talented and he's another guy that has a lot of passion for the
2: business. Uh, ODB, <laughs>
1: uh, ODB. God, she is great. Here's a gal. I'll tell you a story about ODB. She was training in OVW and she's a hard working gal busting her ass. And she comes up to me in in OVW in in Louisville, Kentucky, which was our developmental training center at the time. And she says, what do I need to do? Do I need to get boobs? What do I need to do? And she went and got boobs. I didn't tell her to get boobs. But I said, you know what, Jess? It's it's one of those deals that need everybody. She wasn't the the diva, stereotypical Uh diva. Yeah. And she would say that, you know, she had the rough voice and everything. Um, but she went out and she made her character work for her. Yeah. And she was, you know, she was a lot of fun, man.
2: Um, a name that I'm sure the internet, um, loves people hate when I call it the internet.
1: The young, the hell is it?
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? The young bucks. They're over like Rover over online. They're overrated.
1: Okay. I thought their matches sucked, have no psychology, and they thought they were great. You know, the guy, some guys in the back would sit there and go, oh my God, that was so great. But they do 200 things when they could get by with doing 20 and have a match that makes sense. Now, I'm not going to criticize their work today because I
2: haven't seen them since they left. You sound like every old timer ever. You're right, that, I though. do. You're right. I'm just saying, like... I I do, but but it still holds true. They used to say that to Flare and Steamboat, though. They're doing too much.
1: All right. Well, again, I'm giving you my impression, my interpretation of what I saw of what they were doing in TNA. I'm not going to give you an interpretation of what they're doing now, because I haven't seen them since they left TNA. I'm judging it on how they were at TNA doing 200 things when they could have done 20. Um, And no selling everything they did. And on to the next thing. They had no psychology. They had no psychology. Uh, I didn't think their work was good. They were really, they were really nice kids. They did love the business, but I think that they had a higher uh, value and perception. I understand they're doing well. I'm happy for them. So,
2: the young bucks, man, and and uh, is that what we called them? Was the young bucks? Uh, well, here's what I want to ask: um, How'd they leave TNA? They asked for, you know, their release. They wanted more dates. Didn't have more dates to give them. Couldn't pay them any they more asked money. asked who? Me. Okay. Me. So they come to you and they say, we'd like to have a meeting. Or do they say, can we talk to you? Or? Yeah, they said, can we talk to you? And I said, what do you want to talk about?
1: And they wanted more dates. They needed more work. We didn't have the kind of work that they were looking for. And I said, well, can we get our release? I said, you got it. And I gave it to them right away. So but- they asked for it. They got it. They got exactly what they asked for. We didn't have more uh, opportunities
2: that we could give them.
1: we had. They had too many people under contract that they couldn't put to work you, as it was. Did you
2: let them honor their other dates they were already booked on, or did you just give them a, a release right then, effective immediately? I gave them a release right then. I don't know that they had any more
1: dates booked at the time. I, I don't really remember the exact situation of the Young Bucks from 2011.
2: Why are, why are you fired up? I'm just asking a question. Well, you're getting hot about it. Well, I'm not hot. I'm yeah, you're it. hot. I can mm. tell when you're hot. This is make believe. But Abyss was probably hot under that mask, and that's why you unmasked him. What the hell? Who? Abyss. I want to oh. hear some Abyss stories. He is basically a TNA original. He was there from the very beginning, but not too long after. He's been there for a long, long time. And you can't help but wonder when you see a big guy like that, why in the world did he never make his way north?
1: I think that it, it, paranoia on his part. Uh, Chris is a very paranoid guy.
2: Hell of a talent. Now, what do you um, mean? What do you mean paranoid? You mean paranoid. Example? He second
1: guesses everything that he does, and he's very unsure. He's got to ask you twenty times if everything was okay. And you
2: mean like after the match? He after the through. match, yes. But well, isn't that a good thing for them to come
1: back and want to get feedback about their match? Well, sure, but once you give them the feedback, then asking you ten more times, exact same question about the exact same thing after you've given them the exact same answer eight
2: times. It so it's like doing a podcast with me, kinda. Something like that. Okay. yeah. Well, he's, and he, that's not a rib. He seems like a really, really nice guy. Great guy. Um, and another one, passionate about the business. Would do any,
1: and he would, a loyal guy. And I give him that too, man. He's loyal. He stayed with TNA. Um, but I don't know that he would have been successful in WWE. Maybe one day he will be. But I don't know that he could have handled the, the stress up there and the critiques and feedback that he would have gotten up there. And do you think that they would have just been more critical?
2: The agents up there? Without a doubt. Yes.
1: Chris is a blood and guts guy and I'm not a big blood and guts fan.
2: So I, you know,
1: wasn't my style.
2: Do you think he could have adapted or it wasn't something he was interested in? (gasps) Oh, I definitely think
1: he could adapt because I saw that when we took the mask off of him and, and made him Joseph Parks. To me, that was the most Why? entertaining stuff that, that he ever did.
2: Why'd you take the mask off?
1: Because it was old. It was passé. It was a ripoff of mankind. I just, it was, see, it see, wasn't to, original
2: to me. See, to me, it didn't become a ripoff until you unmasked him. When, when you unmasked him and you showed him as a different character, then it became the three faces He had, the, faces same, he had the
1: same type
2: mask. He had the same type
1: uh, overgarment, as Paul Bosch used to say. Um, It was exactly the same. And, yeah, so you take the mask off him. We made him a different person. You'll say that's similar to Mankind and Mick Foley and Dude Love and Cactus Jack. Okay, great. Well, then it was similar. Then we just ripped that off and sold that idea, too. Because Dude Love was one of my ideas that I stole from when I saw the Mick Foley Dude Love idea. When we were sitting in our dressing room in Toronto, Canada, and Mick says to Shawn Michaels,
2: Shawn, I always wanted to be you. Um. Smo Joe. This is where we're playing the word association.
1: Uh, Huh? Joe. Monster. He was in in Ring of Honor.
2: Did a phenomenal job in Ring of Honor. Was huge. Huge. And Joe. Kind of interesting. You know, I don't know that people really think about this, but he starts wrestling with John Cena in California. Their careers split. Cena goes and does the developmental deal. Joe goes and becomes Ring of Honor champ, has tremendous success, gets signed to TNA. And when he's at Ring of Honor, Joe joins a guy named CM Punk. They have a tremendous series of matches in 04. They split again. Punk chooses developmental. Once again, Joe picks TNA. Joe wasn't offered. I mean, it wasn't like he
1: had a choice.
2: I'm just saying that, that their that career path parallel is and weird went different paths. That Cena becomes a megastar, Punk becomes a really big deal, and seemingly in both cases it looks like short-term Joe has made the better call. He's a big deal in Ring of Honor, he's a big deal in TNA. Look, I'm not going to disparage
1: Ring of Honor, but but saying someone is a big deal in Ring of Honor they're the saying like I'm, promotion. The, I'm the
2: shift leader at Sonic. Okay. Well, I disagree, but that's cool. Okay. Um and now Joe is just now really getting a shot, and I hope it's not too little too late. It feels like the TNA thing started off awesome, and then it petered out. Why do you think that is? What do you mean the TNA thing started awesome and petered out? Well, I mean, he was working pay-per-views with Kurt Angle, and then well, at the end, he's just kind of lost. Time that, you know, you can't stay on top forever.
1: Uh, and, uh, uh, it, uh, and he goes away uh, for three, four uh, uh, five months at a time. Okay.
2: I'm just saying... You know, he wasn't in a featured spot the entire. I'm not saying he had to be the champ the whole time, but it
1: didn't I didn't mean, feel I like mean, he should be featured. He should be. Everybody should be in the main event all the time. No, it doesn't work that way. So when it comes a time you got to get other people over and you, you take a rest. How will Joe do in WWE? I hope Joe does well. I think he's got the talent to do it, and why, he's different.
2: Why wasn't he considered?
1: In I'll a tell you 405? why was I'll tell you why he wasn't considered because they
2: felt he was a fat Samoan. Well, uh, help me understand. They he got was it. out of shape. He
1: looked out of shape. He wasn't the body type that Vince liked, and they felt that you know it, it wouldn't work. There was a period where guys. Uh, this is a bullshit considered. answer. That I'm giving you the truth. You asked me why I wasn't considered. Um, I gave you the exact quote of why he wasn't considered because he's a fat Samoan. He looks like a fat Samoan. What the fuck was Umaga?
2: Part of the family. Is that is that the real answer?
1: Yes, that's a real answer. Holy shit. Okay. That's, so I'm giving you the truth, wow. and you're calling bullshit. See, that's the problem. That's the problem with these fucking assholes. That sit behind their little computer screen and that's go. A, well, they say me 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 me. You realize you're talking just, about
2: our entire audience when you do. No, that. you
1: know what? I love our entire audience, and thank you for listening. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm keeping <laughs> keeping it real here. And Joe, he to me, but let me tell you, let me tell you, there, me tell you something, way. okay, about Joe. Here's what I liked about Joe. I like that he was a fat Mm Samoan. I'd like that he didn't look like everybody else. I like that he didn't work like everybody else. I'm a fat white guy, okay? So I can relate to him. But he was a badass that you would believe was kicking everybody else's ass. Yeah. It was believable. It is believable. But when you're sitting there and your criteria is I got to look like an athlete, pal. Okay, he is doing that stuff. But don't you think he's making it look good? He is an athlete. And Umaga, larger, still Samoan, hell of a talent, hell of an athlete. Why? Why is it that again? He was
2: part of the family, man. So he was just born because apparently there's like two Samoan families. There's the one that The Rock is related to, everyone, and then there's Samoa Joe. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm just curious because it seems like around. But I
1: give you a real answer.
2: Well, that's a that's a bullshit answer. No, no. no it's, a, it's okay. Now the listen. Truth. In fairness, it is a bullshit answer, but it is the real Vince McMahon answer, and I appreciate that. I gave you the real answer. You gave me well. You gave me Vince. It's not a real answer. I'm sorry. You asked me
1: why he didn't get called up. Why we didn't want him then? Because He's when he was suggested, on. like, ah, goddamn. Same reason that Vince didn't want to meet Cass- Cactus Jack
2: back in the day. Yeah, because he looked like a a, a fat bum. Okay, to Vince. Let's circle back to something you were really excited to talk about. Signing China.
1: Well, that was a disaster. Um,
2: this comes know, out after her porns. No, it, it come. Well, okay. It, her, it comes after, after the, the thing
1: that, that uh, she did with Sean Waltman. And, and, you know, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but it You're was. You're speaking ill. She did porn. She did. But when uh, Joni came in and, and it was an idea that uh, Vince Russo had and I kind of got in on the tail end of it. That was in between uh, Terry and I and Terry had allegedly made one deal with her and Dixie understood another thing. So I kind of come in in the middle of it and I've got a
2: I, I know you're not going to give me numbers. No, I'm not going to give you numbers. I didn't ask. Well, I'm telling you. Are you before s- you ask? So don't ask. There was a misunderstanding about number of dates, amount per date, all the above. Okay, all the above. Okay,
1: and, but I don't think anybody knew. And when she came in, um, you know, Joni's about one of the, was was one of the sweetest people you ever
2: want to meet. But she had, you know, her idea what she felt she was worth. And she thought had, she had like a two thousand. Like a 1999 2000 level, ask yeah, of fame, probably. and it was not. Well, yeah, and we're talking about
1: TNA, and they didn't have that kind. Of, they didn't have WWE money, yeah, and they weren't paying it. Yeah, so we didn't have that in the budget to
2: give her. Did she use an agent, or was it her doing it? No, she used an agent. And how bad did that piss you off?
1: I hated agents.
2: Unnecessary
1: evil when I get it, you know, the business changed, but when, you know, coming up, I, I didn't understand it. I, it became after a while, you know, you
2: just, I could tell by some your up. based on your facial expression.
1: Yeah. I, I, not an agent guy because you're not dealing with the agent in the field. You're not in, when you're in the trenches and you're sitting there going over stuff. There's not an agent there. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with an agent talking about a
2: finish and what you yeah. got to do. So might as well do it now. So might
1: as well do it now. And, and, and we're going to give you the best deal. We're going to give you agent or not. Yeah. So if you want to give 10% or whatever that percentage is away to an agent, that's your business. It's not going to change the deal. Yeah. And, um, but it was, it was one of those situations where Jody wasn't in the shape that, um, people remembered, people remembered.
2: Yeah. And was she fucked up? No, no. Okay. No, she never was. And she worked uh, one match, I think, she wor- on pay-per-view. Yeah, she came in and she did a TV and then did a match on pay-per-view with Karen. And then that was it? That was it, yeah. It worked out well. Why didn't it, though? If you're saying she's not fucked up, why didn't it?
1: Well, because A, we couldn't get together on money. And, and B, uh, I had been told that she had recently done uh, more porn and actually had... The guy that said that was on my podcast before, a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Noonan, and uh, broke the story. How did he know? Uh, because the guy that she did the porn with, the porn star, and he were best of friends. And Jimmy had a lot of connections in the
2: adult entertainment industry. Tell me your friend of a friend was the main gene guy no, in the movie. No, 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 no. But- you always get this screwed up. Different movie. Okay. Well, she did a parody where she had sex with. Uh, that was after. Characters. That was after she left. The, was there the a brother TNA? loved one in that? I don't remember. I, I may have to go fast forward I, that. I've never say, watched this. So. Oh, well, we're gonna watch it in okay. slow motion a little later. Okay. Um, okay, let's get back to kind of behind the scenes. Um, wow, that was a hell of a segue. Go ahead. Well, I mean,
1: back door. Don't stop. No. <laughs>
2: You know what? She was a very sweet young lady and I'm sorry she's gone. I'm not burying her. I don't not. understand. Let's talk about some other chicks. How's that sound? Let's talk about the time Miss Jackie beat the shit out of Brooke Adams. Well, Jackie's an old pro and um Any good Jerry Jarrett stories with her?
1: I don't know. Huh? Maybe he asked her to make chicken salad one time? With walnuts and the grapes and you mix it with the mayonnaise. But uh Jackie was a tough old broad man and Jackie would take exception to to those that weren't at her level. Right. And uh Brooke Adams came in and um kinda green. Brooke was green. And Jackie got in the match and Brooke missed a few things and Jackie just beat the shit out of her, pulled her extensions out. I mean, really roughed her up bad. Uh I had to have a little chat with Jackie and just kind of explain to her, you got to teach them. You can't beat the shit out of them anymore. Cause back in ja- Jackie's day, he you can know, just beat, the, you shit just beat the
2: shit out of them. And, um, we mentioned him briefly there, Jerry Jarrett, you ever have any dealings with him? Was he ever mentioned? Was he persona non grata around the office? He'd been gone for a long time, obviously, but. You mean after he'd screwed him
1: out of the business and all that and sold him something that went well, anyway? I don't know what he did. No, he wasn't. No, God
2: well i just know he had kind of a tumultuous relationship with jeff and
1: wasn't yeah they they i don't they didn't have a relationship at that point in time they
2: um weren't speaking so quentin rampage jackson makes yep. a little run with tna while you're there how does that come about from your recollection what went wrong well you got to back up we got
1: to go to king mo first okay sure and we that um, he was with
2: bellator at the time
1: bellator yes bellator's uh,
2: on spike tna's on spike correct uh spike
1: had used to have the UFC and UFC signed with Fox and, uh, Kevin Kay, who was president of spike TV, big MMA fan.
2: And he wanted to stick it to the UFC. Yeah. Hey, I made the, I made a UFC. I made an MMA company before I'll make another one. Right. So he, uh, you know, they got Bellator,
1: they acquired Bellator. And one of the things, you know, because TNA still, uh, was the highest rated show on spike. So this is a way to
2: kind of cross remote.
1: Yeah, it was it was logical. Any, you know, fight any, to fight. Any
2: um, apprehension from you or any of the office in sure. you know, co-mingling MMA and wrestling? Well, my apprehension was is how much can we do with
1: them and what, what's the payoff? You know, I, I don't don't want to just do something to do it.
2: Yeah, if there's no match.
1: And well a, a story. Give me yeah, something. Right. It's like,
2: Oh my god, we've
1: got we have this guy available and we can um use him. Well let's figure out something. Well, hang on, what can we do with him? Can uh, they work a match?
2: Is that your Dixie King can,
1: <laughs> can we Dixie's a sweet lady.
2: So Dixie was sold on this by Kevin?
1: Dixie was sold on anything that was uh fringe fringe uh
2: outside of wrestling.
1: Fringe celebrity, yeah. Okay. And so they their big sign, their big get, Bellator's big get was King Mo, at the time.
2: And Mo it is basically a pro wrestler in MMA. Correct. With the big entrance yeah. and uh, the the jewelry. Well, and, he's a big uh, wrestling fan. Yeah. Always has been. Sure. Right?
1: And, and he had been to OVW before and different things and a huge fan. And Mo was interested. Mo wanted to be a professional wrestler more than he wanted to be an MMA guy.
2: I don't know that I told you this, but, uh, King Mo actually called and to, to speak to Rick during the college football playoff in January of this year. Cool. It was kind of weird and random. Uh, I guess it was a friend of Rick's or something. And, uh, we're watching the game in Dallas and, uh, King Mo had just had a big victory and wanted to speak to Rick Flair and, uh. Of course, Rick didn't remember who King Mo was, but I told him, "Hey, he's a big deal. Uh, he's a he's a really good MMA fighter, and it's a big deal that he's calling you." But either way, I thought it was pretty funny that he's such a wrestling fan.
1: Yeah, huge fan. So I mean, but the the deal was was Bjorn Rebney was the president of Bellator at the time, and it was okay. What what can we do? He's well. Can you put him in the ring? Can he beat somebody up? I'm like, well, we can. But I'd like to have more of a story. If we're
2: going to use him, let's build him up. Let's make him mean something. And this wasn't the first time they tried this. They tried it with uh, Tito Ortiz. I mean, a UFC, I mean, an MMA fighter. A well, years... Tito came after that. Well, Tito was there in 05 as well. You're right,
1: yeah. Yeah. But it, it was this was something where they wanted Mo to actually be a wrestler right. on the TNA show and also do MMA. So when he wasn't training to do MMA well he could just wrestle you know that he's just he can just oh wrestle. wow so it's like wait a minute he's got to be trained
2: yeah it doesn't work that way he,
1: he has to so did he go take bumps and all that go, so, yeah he went to OVW and we sent him there to, to train him but he was also having to train for MMA oh, for tough. the big tournament on Spike and it's two completely different training styles
2: yeah I see and, him and
1: Mo really wanted to do both and so they had a tournament. You know, that was you know, Bellator's big deal. We're going to have a tournament because uh-huh. it's going to be real and it's going to be a tournament. And Moe's going to win. Um, and it's real? Okay.
2: So, anyway,
1: the idea is, is that when is you that,
2: busted the idea, The idea
1: is going to be, yeah. I, Tell I, that story. Everybody's well, going to hear that. Well, no. We were just sitting at lunch. and uh, Who's and we? We, I uh, believe it was me and Dixie and, and Bjorn. And
2: the guy who runs Bellator,
1: yeah. And the idea was, is well, like, so Mo's going to be the champion, and Mo's going to do this, and uh, and I just looked at him and I said, "So it's all just work." And was highly offended that I would suggest that their business was a work, um, even though he was already telling me that Mo was going to be a champion. And then and then Mo got knocked out, right? And everybody was up in arms. Oh my god! Oh my god! Mo got knocked out. And I'm the only one with a smile on my face because I'm thinking, God damn, this will be great. I can I can use this because I, the idea I had was make him a hell of a heel, and have him walk around like I've never been beat. I yeah. didn't get knocked out. Hulk or Hogan, just NWO it. style. Yeah, yeah, just deny it. Yeah, and um, I, and I kid you not, everybody was like, Oh my God, go. what are we gonna do? Sure. And I called Bjorn and I said, Bjorn. He said, I'm so sorry. I, I did It's this simple. Is this I'm actually happy. He got knocked out. Yeah. I said, now I got something to work with.
2: How did it go sideways?
1: Well, they wanted him to fight MMA and well, if he just trained harder, so they wanted <laughs> more time at MMA. So they just, no time. They
2: changed direction.
1: Yeah. And
2: it it just didn't, it it was ass backwards. What about Rampage? Anything you want to mention on him?
1: Rampage, man, you know, it was a tough, tough, tough deal to get going because uh, I remember meeting with his agent and his agent telling me about how uh, he was a Scottish guy, real nice guy, but, you know, telling me about how he gets $75,000 for a one minute commercial. And I said, well, what the hell does he want to do this for? Yeah, $75,000 a day to do this. And I said, well, if you can get $75,000 a day doing that, I don't know what the hell he, why he would even consider doing this. Um, It was a tough negotiation. We finally got it. But that was the same thing. The idea was to bring Rampage in to get to a match with Kurt Angle
0: mm.
2: and... Would you have tried to do like a work shoot type situation, like a cage match, and they all going to work him in MMA? There wasn't going to be any shoot about it.
1: Well, I just yeah, mean, I, I, you I mean it was I mean. it was you had the uh, an Olympic gold medalist and you know a great MMA fighter. So yeah, I mean it was it was mixing those two worlds, and people would believe Kurt. Kurt's a legit athlete, and Rampage was a legit athlete. Sure. But it was the same thing. You, you couldn't get Rampage to, to go and work out and train. So it, it, it fell like, apart before it ever started. So it's in the book of bad ideas. In the I'm, book I'm, of hor- horrible execution. Idea is not horrible because you, you've got two entities. you got Bellator and you got TNA. If they would have crossed and they truly would have worked together, then it could have been decent. But one has to you know you both have to give a little bit and it was it was TNA giving everything and the MMA world didn't want to give up shit and we wanted to have uh who the hell do we want to have go down with him we wanted to have uh somebody walk walk down with Rampage and somebody walk down Mo, and they were oh, we can't mix the two on well, this or, is not uh, on
2: our show you said a minute ago that uh Dixie was kind of crazy for anything fringe celebrity yeah, we had Ronnie from the Jersey Shore. Okay. yeah. Oh
1: my God, we got Ronnie! Oh my God, we got Ronnie! What? The hell,
2: what does Ronnie do? Something with Robbie E. Oh,
1: Okay, that and makes sense. That that memorial, memorable. We had we had the other uh, J Wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Wow. We had big celebrities.
2: What about Brooke
1: Hogan? Brooke was uh, Hulk Hogan's daughter. Um.
2: That was when I had my heart attack. <laughs> you, you've told me some good stories about her. Are you going to tell any of those here?
1: What good stories did I tell you about her?
2: An apartment. Well, no. She,
1: she moved to Nashville. She had a, a singing career that she wanted to continue, and she moved to Nashville that um, to continue that. And I, I don't dare say that the folks on the Nashville end of things held up their end of what was promised to her. It was a situation where Spike, I think Dixie, I think Hulk, and not, not even so much really Hulk, but where they saw an opportunity and, and like, Oh my God, you know, we can get Brooke Hogan to come in and we can do all these albums with her and do all this music with her. But once they got her, nobody was prepared to do anything with her. And, when the subject was brought up and the plans were all made was during the time that I was rehabbing after my uh, heart attack, the first one I had. Um, and I'm sitting there listening. They're they're laying out this idea and saying Brooke and Brooke. And I'm listening to it going, okay, because I'm thinking Brooke Adams. All right. And then it's like Brooke Hogan. I'm like, what the hell are we doing with Brooke Hogan? She's not even on the roster. I mean, what? We don't. And then... You know, got on, but it was it was an ill-conceived idea. It was one of those deals to, I think, in in their mind, was to appease Hulk. When I don't know that Hulk was really ever.
2: You don't think Hulk pushed for that? No. Come on.
1: Okay, I'm sorry because you were there and talked to him. I think Hulk, if he had his if he had his brothers, would definitely not have wanted her to be there. Would rather her just be. In the music deal and only doing that, Hulk didn't want his daughter being a part of this stuff. I
2: mean, he wants. If you were talent relations, how did you not negotiate her coming in? I did, after the fact, after it was already done. Okay, so, so okay, the, the, so everybody decides she's coming in, but yeah. not at what price point, right? And so then you have to figure out and do some, yeah, ninja and and you got to and you
1: got to deal with. With somebody on one side telling them one thing, and then that same person on the other side
2: telling you something else. So, Dixie's saying, we're going to promise you the moon, and then do you get her as cheap as you can? Correct. Well, I mean, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, and so then you're the bad guy. Oh, without a doubt. Does she take issue, or does Hogan get involved when you lowball? Um, they both took issue with it.
1: Because, because, so would
2: you negotiate with him for her?
1: No, I negotiated with her and then I negotiated with her agent and, you know, Hulk, Hulk was out of it. Hulk didn't want to be in it, but, but Hulk did get involved when he was hearing from one side, one thing, and then hearing from his daughter, well, Bruce said this. So I get put
2: in the middle of it. So Dixie tells Hogan, we're going to give you X, Y, and Z. And then she tells you, Hey, just give her X. Yeah. And you call, offer X. Yeah. And then Hogan calls you, what the fuck?
1: No, I, um, you're saying Hogan, but they're all Hogan's. There. Oh, There's two Hulk, Hogan's. Hulkster. There. Hulk, you know, Hulk got involved at, at some point saying, why am I hearing two different things? Yeah. And there, you know, it was two different stories. And, and again, I'm in the middle. And there were instances where, matter of fact, we were in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, was and, that it, that and it came to a head and I, i'm trying to get dixie hulk brooke and me all together so we say okay here's let's get all this shit on the table here and um it was difficult to get the uh,
2: dixie was playing games
1: it was difficult to get her to that table yeah
2: never did because she knew that she right. would be
1: Outed. Well, be, uh, and again, uh, my thing is, is if you're going to have different H- Hogan, stories,
2: Hogan just figured it out then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I was in a really tough situation. There yeah. No It, it shit. was a no
1: win. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a guy that I've known for you know at that point close to 20 years um, or more, and always had a good relationship with, and now you're dealing with his daughter, and he's hearing one thing from someone else, and then I'm getting other directives and information. And I don't know that Dixie's talking to him and to Brooke and things of that nature. What a mess. It was a mess.
2: Um, let's talk about another mess. That's kind of famous. And you've mentioned to me before, we got to talk about the Bobby Roode contract situation. He's let's a tag, talk about it. He's a tag team champion. You're uh, running talent relations. You let his contract expire. No, I didn't. All right. Tell me what happened. I'm talking about
1: rumoring anyway. I'll tell you what happened is that his contract rolled over. Whenever the contract rolls over, 90 days before the contract rolls over, I'm sent something from uh, the folks in, in Dallas and in TNA that, that do the contracts and say, okay, hey, are we going to roll this over or not? I then would sign off on an extension or rollover. And I would send that to the talent saying, hey, we are exercising our extension that we're going to roll your contract over for another year. And, you know, that's it. Bobby had another year left on his contract. I'd signed it well ahead of time. I had the emails. I had the uh, copy of the signature. I had everything. And I happened to be in Nashville and we had TV, I want to say in Canada, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. And uh, Bobby calls me and says, what's going on with my contract? I said, I don't understand what you mean. And he says, well, my contract expires in three days or however many days it was, and I haven't heard anything from you guys. I said, Bobby, I sent you a, an extension. I said, I signed your, your rollover. I keep saying extension. It was a rollover. I said, I, I signed your rollover a couple months ago. Right, I pull up the the email and everything, and I'm forward it to him because I never got this. Come on, Bobby, I saw you know here it is. Well, here it is. The way his contract was was that if we didn't exercise that rollover by such like I think thirty days out, then he had the option to negotiate and go elsewhere if he wanted to. I'm like, well, no, you don't have that option. Cause I exercised our option 90 days ago. So no, you don't have that. So I it went to investigate some more and I went to the person that would have mailed out that original that I had signed. Who? The someone in the office, an assistant in the office. Dixie's assistant? Nope. Not going to mention her name. She's not there anymore. Doesn't matter.
2: Dean Broadhead's assistant?
1: Doesn't matter. Okay. And uh, I asked her, I said, uh, hey, do you remember this? Yeah. So do you mail it out? Yep. Yeah. I said, okay, great. I need the, uh, the okay. copy
2: of. The air bill. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And her face kind of went white. Mm. Like, uh, I just saw a ghost and, and I'm busting. She says, well, I don't know if I can get that. And I said, well, sure you can. How'd you send it? FedEx? UPS shit yes. It's okay. Then you can get an air bill. Send me the air bill. I want to know who signed for it, when it was sent, and who signed for it. I go back so Bobby, they're getting it right now. Um, Say it any minute. Yeah. I mean, somebody signed for it. okay? I'm being told it was sent on such and such a date. So, I go back. So, where is it? Oh, well, you know what? We uh, had a problem with our Federal Express, and we uh, only use UPS now. Okay. Give me the UPS air bill. Well, we... So, at that point, I knew from the first reaction, son of a bitch, they never sent it out. So... What actually happened was was that when I signed it, the um, the folks that were in charge of actually doing that felt that Bobby Roode wasn't necessarily necessary, and that if his contract expired, then they wouldn't be obligated to pay him what his contract called for, and they could renegotiate at a lower rate. The problem with that is is Bobby Roode was worth every penny that he was being paid, probably more, and we had a good deal on him. The other thing about it was, was that we had him figured into our plans. Right. For a long, you know, we had long-term plans with Bobby. And I don't know if Dixie was aware of it or not. I made her aware of it when it happened that day. And there was a lot of finger-pointing and, uh, you know, he said, she said but I spent the the next week and the entire weekend of the pay-per-view that we had in San Antonio trying to get Bobby a new contract and and get him to stay. But, no, I didn't let his contract expire. I did sign his rollover 90 days ahead of time, and there was someone in the office that didn't send it out and that was directed not to send it out. So that's what happened, um, and I defy anyone. At all to say otherwise, and I won't mention I won't mention names because it's not it's not worth it. But that is what happened. I did make Dixie aware of it. It was just kind of you know again bury the head in the sand like it didn't happen. Just fix it and let, let's get him let's get a new contract and get him done. So they ended up paying a lot more money in the end. Mm-hmm. But there was a philosophy by those I'll call them in corporate and and those in Dallas that if you. Let something just go, that it would just go away. And there were no consequences. And I, I just hated that attitude. I hated being told by somebody that builds power plants that uh, wrestlers are just like plumbers. You can replace them with another plumber. And that analogy used to drive me absolutely nuts. Because a plumber can't paint a picture and tell a story.
2: You're talking about Dallas. You're talking about shit screwed up in the mail. Uh, it you was know, screwed up in the mail. It wasn't done. Well, you know what I mean. Here's what I mean. There's lots of rumors and innuendo about guys not getting paid. The check's in the mail, so to speak. Can you <clears> give me <throat> any other stories about guys not getting well, paid? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, there there was a famous one, and, and, and I'll, I'll only speak about it when I was there, but there was a period
2: where guys weren't getting paid for weeks, and unfortunately what's typical. So you go do a taping in Orlando and if things are the way they're supposed to be at the end of the night, everybody gets an envelope or they get a check in the mail that week. No, you get a or... check in
1: the mail. And, and if you're under contract and you're supposed to be paid weekly, you get a check weekly. I mean, yeah, I get a check every two weeks deposited yeah. into my account. Yeah. So again, when if you're on a deal where you're getting a weekly pay, You should be getting that pay weekly. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, talent sometimes can let things go for a while. And they will not say anything until it's too late or it's a bigger problem than it needs to be. And so guys after, you know, three, four weeks call and say, hey, I've got my check. Well, my first call is because I do payroll and I turn it in every week. I've got to have the you know. I had to have that son of a bitch in earlier. I was like, oh, you get it in late. We can't make checks. So I always made sure it was in early. And I'm being told by folks in accounting in Dallas that this check, this check number for this amount went out on this date. So they send that to me. Send me your proof. Show me where, you know, that went out. And they're sending me emails, documenting exactly, you know, what check number, the amount for that check, and the date that that check was put in the mail. So I'm telling the talent this. Sounds I'm, pretty I'm, legit. I'm relaying the information back to the talent. I said, well, I haven't got it. Now, that's cool. Uh, and and there, the excuse in Dallas was one of, well, the, it must be their mailbox, or their 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 post office. And that works if it's one particular post office. Like let's say if it was Tampa, Florida and all the guys in Tampa weren't getting their checks, but when you've got a guy in Tampa and you've got a guy in Atlanta and you've got two guys in LA, but in different parts of LA, you got another guy in San Francisco and they're all not getting their checks you begin to question, well, it can't be all the post offices. It's gotta be something else. Like, no, no, it was sent out on such and such dates. So now, you know, four weeks, three weeks, four weeks goes to five weeks, six weeks. And finally in in every week, ah have a beer for the working man. So it it gets to the point where Guys are like saying, I can't afford to go to TV. I haven't been paid in all these weeks. I'm getting upset with accounting. They're sending me documentation where they're telling me these, these, were, these have all gone. I don't know what else we can do. I said, I know what we can do. Stop it down. Put a stop payment on all those checks new one. that you set out. No, cut one new one. Cut one new one for the total amount because they haven't got them. You're telling me they haven't been cashed yet. Right. Okay, you got that record right? Well, yeah. So stop payment on them. Issue me one check, and I want you to put that in an overnight Federal Express and send it out to all these guys that haven't got their money. It's five guys. Well, we can't do overnight. Why not? Fuck you! You can do over. No, no, we gotta do two day air.
2: Is that a Janus directive?
1: I guess came from Dallas. So, like, look, get the guys their money because guys were—I mean—they couldn't afford to go park their car at the airport to go to work. Yeah, because they're not getting paid. All right, I show up at TV, and everybody got overnights thank God, even though I had to call them and say, hey, it's going to be two-day air. They're pissed off about. They get there overnight, and I've got three guys waiting on me when I arrive at TV. And they've got Federal Express envelopes in their hand. And they say, look at this shit. And they hand me the envelopes. I'm going, you got paid. Okay, you, you finally got it. Everything good? No, I want you to look at what they sent us. I open up the Federal Express, and there are Sealed checks. Well, they weren't sealed anymore, but they were checks. With postmarks on them for the dates that match up with the same emails that I sent them that I got from county. Oh. That oh. they took they <laughs> didn't cancel stop payment any checks. They they had been making Collecting out the checks, them. they had been running them through the postal machine, Pitney Bowes. but they never mailed them. Never sent them. Never so mailed had, them. They had
2: postage on them. They had postage so on them. So it looked legit. Yeah. But they well, just let them stack.
1: It looks legit, but when you tell someone they've already gone in the mail, and then you put them in a FedEx
2: and send it to them. It looks stupid as shit.
1: Well, yeah. Oh, my God. And you and, and they're telling me that you they sent them. And they're telling me, we're going to do a stop payment, and we're going to issue the one check, just like you asked.
2: You look like such an idiot
1: the biggest biggest idiot.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm furious. Who are the three guys? I'm not going to mention their names.
2: Are they there now? Uh no.
1: Okay. None of them. And surprise surprise. One I mean, you know, one of them was an old friend of mine that I'd been with in another company. Mm-hmm. That was in a in a state. I was like, you know what? You come with me, he goes, I can't get a hotel room, I can't, I said, you come, you stay with me, you stay in my room, you ride to the uh, show with me, whole nine yards. You know, took him in, made sure that he was taken care of, and and it was horrible, mm-hmm. because here were guys that hadn't been paid. But you were and being paid. I was getting paid, yeah. Hogan was getting I was, paid. I'm sure he was. Actually, you know what, I don't even know that, I don't know, I know Hogan had some pay issues. During the time there.
2: Yeah, he did. Sure I'm just saying, did. it seems like certain guys got paid, but they thought they could get well, away with Well, I was an
1: employee, it. so I was, I was in the loop, but yes, but some did, some did and some didn't, and that's what just infuriated the hell out of me, but I brought it, I brought it to Dixie's attention that day, and instead of going, Shock. well, damn it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go, go back this. to Dallas and, and show my mom and fix this thing, it was like, well, they got paid. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of one, that was in the beginning of the end in a lot of she respects. She looked at it because, like it was a
2: vendor. And there's a lot of businesses who will push an invoice on a vendor, you know, because they just assume there's some big company. It's your talent. It's your lifeblood. It's your yeah, product. Absolutely. It's a totally different deal. It's and, not It's not like they're, they're screwing their production But company. But
1: I'm the guy that has to deliver the message. And now my message has zero credibility. Right. Because yeah. they're looking at me going, you knew. No, no I didn't know. Were you in the I'm, office? I'm forwarding. No, I was in Houston. But it wouldn't have mattered if I was in the office. I, it was I coming think, out of Dallas out of accounting.
2: I, I'm not arguing that. I just find it curious that you weren't in the office, but you were getting paid. And some of these guys I were was not I was an employee. Office. I wasn't a contract. And and they viewed that differently?
1: I don't know how the hell they viewed it. I, I can't rationalize or tell you how the hell they viewed anything. They were people that didn't give a shit about other human beings. Mm. They sure as hell didn't care about talent. And they viewed the business as a power plant. And a plumber's a plumber is a plumber is a plumber that can be replaced by another plumber. And I never looked at talent as plumbers or electricians.
2: So is it any surprise? I'm not
1: taking anything away from a plumber or electrician because that's a skill. Sure. And a good one is worth his weight in gold. Absolutely. And, but
2: a talent. I get what you mean. One's a trade and one's like. You know, artistic, right? Blah blah blah. Um, run me through this. Is this is there any surprise that they lose their lease at Cummins Station for non-payment? Is there any surprise that they have a state tax lien in Tennessee? Is there any surprise that American Express is suing them for travel? Is there any surprise that a production company is owed a quarter million dollars and and they were, you know, promised multiple payments and then only made one and. Surprise is the wrong word. I'm, I'm I'm absolutely shocked that it didn't happen a lot sooner. I knew you're gonna say that. Yeah, Mick Foley wanted out of his contract. How did How did that come about? Well,
1: Mick, uh, when I came in, Mick was there. Mick was on his way out, and when I took over talent relations, Mick was disgruntled. Mick, um, for whatever reason, wanted out of his contract. And
2: creatively, me, or were they screwing with his money?
1: Uh, No, I don't think that they had the screwing with the money thing at that time. This was in 2011, and Mick called me from the road and, and was upset and said, I want my release, and I came from that Vince McMahon school of didn't want unhappy campers around me, and if he wanted out, it made sense for us, okay. So I said, okay, Mick, I'll give you your release.
2: That was it? That was it.
1: Ric Flair quit.
2: He sure did, by text. By text? Yeah. How does that go? Uh, besides the fact that I know every word was capitalized. <laughs> well, if you've ever, if everybody ever says they got a text message from Ric Flair and the first letter of every word wasn't capitalized, it's bullshit.
1: You know, Rick Rick was in a situation where you know, same same type of thing. They they would make agreements uh, up front, where this is all we want you to do, we want you to do this, and then once they get you in, try to sweet talk you and try to get you to do you know, 10 things that you never agreed to do. And I think Rick felt that he was a victim of that. And there was a point where Rick just was fed up. Rick didn't want to make the towns anymore. Rick didn't want to be on the road anymore. And Rick didn't want to be doing all these
2: extras. Yeah. They, and, they had him doing meet and greets before shows and right, lots of other stuff. That but, he didn't. but
1: it was, it was a lot. Of, it was a combination of a lot of things. House shows. And I think that, um, uh, you know, Rick, as you and you know, I both know, when he's had enough, he's had enough. Yeah. And he had enough. Yeah. And he called me and, and said, Bruce, I'm not going to do it. Um, I want out. I'm done.
2: So he sent you a text. And well, we, you we talked him. first. Okay. We talked
1: first. And then, you know, I said, well, Rick, um, can you do this for me? Can we get through this weekend? And he, and he said, well, you know, no, I can't do it. And then. We hung up and he sent me a text he says, I'm sorry, I'm out, I'm done, I quit. It was different than that, but that was the gist of it. There were some, there were some words in there. No, it was very nice to me. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was he very lo- nice. He to loves me. you.
1: And uh, But it was, it was to the point, you know, he was done. Didn't want to do it anymore.
2: Uh, Sting was there when you got there, but it seems like there was a little dance every year to see if you could re-sign him. Uh, there's rumors and innuendo that Dixie always had a heart on to have him on the roster. Is that Dixie or is it spike? Where does that come from? Tell me about resigning him every Dixie. year.
1: Dixie loved him, man. Dixie just felt she had to have sting. And, um, why though? Do you know why she, thought she so felt, it, of- she felt he was, you know, the big mega star. She felt he was TNA's mega star, even though he was WCW's mega star. And, um, it was it was one of those situations where I'll, I'll give you an example, uh, and this is not Sting, but it kind of ended up, ended up being Sting in reverse. There were guys who had contracts that had guaranteed dates. For example, one hundred and twenty dates guaranteed in their contract, mm-hmm. where you are going to get one hundred and twenty. That's a lot. We're going to pay you. Uh, let's say $1,000 for 120 dates per year. But they only had 76 dates. But they're still paying talent on 120 dates. Yeah. Because they had contracts. And that shit just drove me nuts. Yeah, use them. How the hell can you guarantee 60 more dates or 50 more dates than you even have? Yeah. That you are going to have? Why don't you under basically guarantee, let's, for example, let's say 50 dates. But they get bonused if they work 70 dates. Sure. That way you're not losing money. That's the Brock Lesnar deal. And and if you use them, you pay them. rate it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, to me, I thought it was a pretty simple formula. Sure. But there were so many of those deals like that that... They were upside down.
2: But so, Sting's so deal was less days, but they wanted him to work more. If you're the Talent Relations guy, why are you fucking this up over and over? I inherited a lot <laughs> of fucked up shit. And here's Is and here's, that what Terry Taylor screwed up that got him out of there?
1: I don't even know that Terry was responsible. Terry was responsible maybe for some of it. I don't know the yeah. extent that Terry was responsible. And I can't blame Terry for that once I got in and saw the inner workings of. But every time they had a different lawyer, every time they had a different CFO, every time they had a different uh, next in in charge, that which you would see where the different contracts came in. I changed the contracts to do a downside guarantee, send the guys minimum weekly, which they never had before, and then pay them on a per-date basis thought it was simple because guys then knew exactly how much they were going to get every week they knew if they worked tv they got x amount um, per tv
2: would, would you say that there was um, a percentage like let's freestyle this let's say you've got a talent like a bobby Roode, and he's at whatever level he's at with tna if he was on that same storyline level with wwe well, his money had been 60% of what the WWE's would have been had he been on the road full-time and had the power of merchandise and pay-per-view at the time. Would it have been 70%, 40%? You were pre- kind of privy to what both numbers would look like. I don't want you to give me a real number, and I'm not talking about Bobby Reed specifically. I just mean in general. In general, they were, I would say,
1: for the most part, they were probably at about 85%. Wow, okay. Yeah. For a fraction of the dates. Yeah. So TNA is a pretty damn good deal. TNA was a great deal for guys that didn't want to work a lot. But the problem was. Work your
2: ass off and go all over the world for 15% more or yeah. chill out a little more and have a better quality of life for 15% it, less. Well, exactly. But the, the but the problem was. was that if they, the checks don't come. They,
1: they try, <laughs> well, and if the checks don't come. But they would guarantee you. I see. A lot
2: more. But and then, they wouldn't get the work out of you. And it's not like they're getting I mean, a there, there check was at the one end guy the there was
1: one guy that was there. Th- this was a classic. This was this was one that that one of the first ones that I that I cut when the contract was coming up. They had guaranteed in their contract 90 dates. Okay? The most dates they could have worked was 70 something. Okay? But they actually only worked 40-something, because every time that they would call the person to go to work, they said, well, I've I've got an independent that night. I can't do it. They said, okay. So they were going out making money on the independents, getting a weekly check based on their 90-date guarantee, only working 40, but then double-dipping, saying, I can't work for you on that night because I've already got another guy over here paying me. If you're
2: talent relations, why can't you stop that? Oh, I did. Okay. You you're not gonna tell me who that is. No, I'm not. Does his name? Rhyme? I'll tell. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off air
1: so that so you can come back next week. Well, you told me off air. I can't do you.
2: Uh, I mean,
1: I'm gonna work on you.
2: It starts with hey hey uh, hey he, hey this, hey, does, hey hey. It's Conrad. Does his name rhyme with Hardy? No. Okay. Then no, I wouldn't tell you if it did. Don't stop. Rolling. Um, Man, we got a lot to get into. There's no way we're going to get all this How in. long is this thing gone? Are we going to have to do two parts? Are we going to have to get into the nitty-gritty? I, don't, just... I I think we can hustle. Let's run through this real quick. How fast. long is this gone, Connor? The of ECW of revival stuff. was Were you wasn't for there. it or against, well, against some it? Against no, it. Was I wasn't, there, I wasn't there, there, and I was against it. Uh, Ric Flair's Hall of Fame in 2012. I brokered it. Uh, tell me how that works. Uh, Johnny Ace called me. Hey, Bruce. Hi. It's Johnny.
1: Uh Hey, we got an idea. I want to use Rick. Uh, I think maybe we could work something out. Wouldn't tell me what the idea was at first. I uh, floated it, see if there was any interest in working. I thought it was a good idea. Um, we went back and forth when it was time to do the big conference call because once attorneys got involved on both sides, tended to muddy the waters and screw it all up. What did TNA want? Do they want money, talent, or both? All the above. They want money. They want a talent exchange. You know, okay, well, if we give you Ric Flair, then we want uh, Brooklyn Brawler. No. But that. He, Did they ask for,
2: like, John Cena or something?
1: No, they didn't. They asked for Christian, and they got Christian. No, they, no, no. Yeah, I mean, but, if uh, you're, you're giving them Ric Flair... And instead of didn't even ask for Rock or Cena or Orton or no, we want a Christian.
2: When you call, I assume you call Vince directly.
1: I called Johnny. I dealt with with Johnny. Okay, and then uh, Vince was going to get on with Johnny and their attorney with me and our attorney and stuff.
2: So does Laura and I have to say no Rock, no Cena? We didn't no.
1: No Dixie, Dixie Rock and, and says, Cena.
2: Rock and Cena were not discussed. They just went straight for Christian. Yeah. This is real.
1: I'm gonna throw. I mean, this is I'm not. I'm throw this fucking headset across the room. This is not a rib.
2: No, it's not a rib. I love Christian, but it seems. I love Christian it Seems too. really random. But I would rather. I would ask for Cena. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're gonna get a no, but ask, ask. <laughs> yeah. You start off with a no. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and work. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't mean to say that, but you work down. No, I, yeah, love, I love Jade seeing death, this tippy but... top. So, um, wow. All right, listen. This isn't about a specific guy's payoff. How much money did they ask for? Who? TNA. I didn't think you were gonna say yes. They asked for money. I thought it was strictly talent, but they're asking for money. Well, yeah. Well, they thought they.
1: WWE will get money out of it. Um, but the the deal was hundred thousand. No, goddamn. Uh, the the deal was very simple. The deal was whatever they were paying Rick, we would pay their guy and and be done with it. That, oh, okay. That's what the deal ended up. But no, they they well, want ridiculous. they wanted a lot of money. I mean, they 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 want felt that well we'll we'll get you a know, hundred thousand dollars on it. No, they didn't ask for that, folks. Um. That's for fifty. It, it was made. It was made real clear what they were willing to do on their side. And at first, they you know they didn't offer up a talent swap. They just wanted Rick.
2: And they were just going to pay money.
1: Uh huh. Oh well. Wow. Okay. And you know, I came back so and said my mind. Like, we we got to get something else out of this. Sure. And it was my idea to at least get talent back. And especially, I was, when I you, was shocked when it was like, well, ask, ask, think we can get Christian? Is that Dixie
2: Harder? I don't know. No, no. I think it's yes, Dixie. Yes, it was. Dixie really wanted to So, yeah. Christian had been the. She had a before. relationship with
1: Christian, and yeah, Christian yeah, yeah. meant
2: something to them. He's a great like he guy. Was one of the world yeah. He is a great guy. Yeah. But it's just, it is random. Um, Rick was going to do it either way. I'm sure. Exactly. I mean, there's no way you were keeping so you him. Off as, the deal. So, you
1: might as well, you know, make it as best as you can. Get the exposure of a guy on your TV, on their TV, and get somebody from their. From theirs on yours. Uh, I mean, you might as well make it the best you can.
2: On this conference call, is this the first time you talked to Vince on a long I, I time? I wasn't
1: on the conference call. I had a heart attack right before.
2: You didn't speak to Vince at all?
1: Uh, I did speak to him one time before that to set up the conference call. But it was short and just kind of, well, you know what? Let's get everybody together. And, you know, my philosophy, and which came from him, you know, whenever there's disputes and there's he said, she said, get him and out. she together. Sure. And say, okay. Here, you know, let's let's get all this shit out now so it's not finger-pointing after the fact.
2: And anything else you want to discuss about that Hall of Fame? No, I th- I thought it was beneficial to everybody. I'm glad Rick got to do it. It was win-win. It was win-win. Uh, he's my boy, but I got to ask. He had a reputation for having a really good time in Orlando and running up some crazy tabs occasionally and getting a draw. And supposedly took that a little far on a European tour. TNA turned down the draw. He says I'm I not... wasn't a
1: part of that then, but I do. Know, you heard I do the, know story. the story? I did hear the story. Yeah. Rick
2: and I've never even talked about it because I just you know, I never thought about it until just now. But it's like TNA, Rick Flair. Hey, what about this? Uh, you don't have any memory of that? I just remember hearing the
1: story, but I wasn't
2: there. There is a, a perception, and this may be rumors and innuendo, that a lot of the guys would get together. I don't know, Universal or something. There's some bar there that everybody would go to after the shows. Supposedly Kevin Nash would get Dixie Carter boozed up. A lot of the guys would hang out. Did this become just the norm to go hang out and drink after the shows and it becomes kind of a party atmosphere when they're doing tapings down there? Can you share any fun stories about that or going out with the guys and Dixie and company and maybe how that would be different from when you would do it with Vince in New York?
1: Well, the, the bar was the hotel bar. But I didn't frequent it a lot. I tried to stay away. Um, but you know, there there was that bar. I wasn't there when Kevin Nash was there, so I don't know what Kevin did with, with Dixie or at any time. Oh, I didn't mean to imply that they did. Well, no, I, I'm just saying I wasn't I wasn't there, so I don't know if if that was the same place they hung out. At one time, I believe they had like a hotel suite that they all used to party in, and um, that was all before my time and you know later on it it was a different atmosphere you know when we went out um
2: yeah tell there, us a there, good...
1: was, there there were separate checks for everybody versus you know Vince McMahon would pick up the tab and You mean separate checks same. with all the
2: boys. Yeah. Um, wait, help me understand. Are you I'm saying say, I'm saying that Are you it, saying if, Dixie is there and she's not picking up the tab? That's happened. Really? Let's just say that's happened, yeah. So help me understand like there'd be i'm just freestyling there's 12 of y'all at like a big table or a big section uh and everybody's just having shots and doing drinks and eating oysters or whatever the hell people do when they're hanging out right and then you know closing time and she says hey bring everybody their bills no it's just okay what you have and wait what? pay up. <laughs> You're asking me. Now you're laughing. I mean, yeah, it was just, it was a different environment. Bring, you know? Does Dixie ask for the check and then says, did you, you have the oysters? the oysters? Because the oysters were $17. I think I had tacos. That's a real thing, though. Not and that. then she says, you owe $23 and holds her hand out?
1: I don't think she held her hand out. I think everybody just kind of said, well, I had this and how much is it? And
2: paid. How fucking shocked is everybody at this? It was a different environment it was it was cool with it don't you do that when you take everybody out
1: uh you've, you've don't been, don't don't you sit there and, and itemize every detail and say well okay but did you get you're burying sweet, me right did now did you get a sweet tea and then you got a diet coke because they charge us for both
2: don't you? Do did that? you just make that up or is that a real example I just made that up. Okay. I was really hoping <laughs> that there was going to be a Dixie Carter sweet tea story. No, no. And, and
1: I like Dixie, man. Dixie was in a tough Was position.
2: Bischoff around for any of this?
1: No. Well.
2: Because Bischoff, Bischoff has made a lot of money in his life. And, and has I've seen no, And
1: Eric Bischoff has picked up so many tabs, it's pathetic around me. He's picked up many of my tabs.
2: Phenomenal guy. Gets a bad rap. Yes, he does. He picked up a
1: lot of Dixie's tabs.
2: All right. If there was a tab to be had, and there wasn't
1: somebody picking it up. Eric Bischoff was usually the first one to pick it up,
2: Two and more, that came out of his
1: ass, not out of a you know what expense was your, account.
2: What was, I was wanted to ask, what was your expense account when you were at WWE? Thirty five
1: dollars a day at TNA, breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
2: Thirty five dollars a day. Yeah, and they had
1: some kind of I think lunch. I think. Uh, I think breakfast couldn't be over like eight dollars and lunch couldn't be over like fifteen or whatever. Well, they know. had I
2: guidelines for specific meals? Yeah. That's Janice. Okay. I'm just asking? Yeah. Uh what was the uh what was the deal? What was the expense account with Vince?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Take care of it, pal. How much was it? Okay. Um they give you like a company credit card at T I did have a company credit card. Okay. Uh, They fly you first class? They flew me first class. I'm a big guy. You don't want to say something there, so we'll move along. You no, know you asked. Uh, the decision.
1: Hang on. You, you, said, asked, you said they flew me. They did.
2: Which implied there, but you won't believe who they didn't. But you're not going to share that. That's not what I implied. I simply, you asked a question. You had a shit-eating fly? Did they fly, did they you, fly you first class? I said yes.
1: Okay, cool. They're very good to me in that regard. And, yes, I did fly first class. It was one of the things I asked for. It's especially. amazing.
2: They're flying you first class, and the other guys are not getting their checks. Um it drove me nuts. It's silly. It, it is doesn't silly. Make, it You're doesn't right. make any sense. Whole I cu- agree with you. Hulk Hogan with Ric Flair wrestles Sting in Philadelphia for Bound for Glory 2011 for the storyline control of the company. Uh, It only draws like 3,500 folks or so. Did you guys think that Hogan was going to be a bigger draw? How difficult was that to get the match in the ring? It seems like at this point, Hogan, it's really... Well, the the difficulty of getting
1: the match in the ring was Hulk's physical shape because he had had several back surgeries and, and it just was,
2: whose idea, constant. was it? whose idea was what booking hogan in a match in 2011
1: well vince russo was doing the tv and the creative at that time so
2: i guess it was vince russo's
1: okay. i didn't i didn't really get into the creative uh taking that over until right after that
2: so right, even right in though conference. you were talent relations here are you are you dealing with hogan or is that somebody you just don't have to mess with
1: I dealt with Terry um, on the fringe. I mean, we we talked creative. We talked. We talked. But, um, you know.
2: There's lots of uncertainty around this match as to whether or not it was going to happen.
1: Well, the uncertainty uncertainty was was Hulk physically going to be able to do it because of his back situation. That's all it was. Why would they book it and promote it? Because when it was booked and when the storyline started. He was feeling okay. He was feeling okay and felt that he would be able to go. So, you, you take somebody at their word saying, I'll be able to go. In the meantime... Something else happen. You, you book it. You go for it. You're going along. Then something else he's happens. Working, he's working He's out, a human being.
2: something. Okay.
1: And it's like, oh, so there's, shit.
2: there's no, there's no. No malicious. No. Yeah. God, no. It's just, you know. Okay. You on. know, Hulk is another one that gets, gets a bad rap. Super you know. great to me. Every time I've met him. Remembered my name from one offhand meeting with Rick years ago. I thought that was really random. Very yeah. nice guy. Um. The decision to go to live TV on the road, yeah, talk to me about it. Is this kind of what helps? I, I pushed for that heavily. I, I did push for That's that. That's you idea.
1: That is my me idea. It was me. It was me and Eric Bischoff. Uh, I felt that live would help give us an edge. The issue was simply cost and you know resources. So we looked at it. How could we effectively do it? And the decision was made that we could do two tapings in one day, with one of them being live, For and then tape the next week, right after that.
2: And Give me the pros of, of taping on the road. Hell, sell me on it. A different environment,
1: an enthusiastic crowd that actually paid for your product versus people that are coming in out of the hot sun in an amusement park to sit down for a little while and be in some air conditioning and don't yeah. give a shit about what the hell's in front of them.
2: So tell me how you really feel about the impact
1: zone. Hated it. Um so the the idea was to have a paying crowd and have people that were actually invested in your product that are gonna come out and wanna see your show. The other idea about it was actually charging someone to come to an event. But it also build up a big event, make it a bigger event, and have people pay money and get revenue from the gate. From the gate to help go towards your production costs versus paying money to record a show on a sound stage, pay everybody, and then let everybody in for free where you get no comp- you get you get no return at all. And so the idea was to do it on the road so at least you're getting something. Because you're gonna have to fly everybody into Orlando anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And take it on the road, at least do it someplace where you got some revenue coming in off of the live gate. But plan it out. We pitched this idea. We laid it out. We studied the hell out of it. And we thought, okay, in 90 days, you know, three to four months, let's plan for this and let's do it. Went from let's plan for this and let's do it to, oh, my God, we're going live next Thursday. And it's like, well, fuck. You know, now we've got 10 days or whatever it was to sell a venue.
2: It was ready, shoot, aim. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and it was, I don't, it wasn't ill-conceived. It was thought out. And, and I mean, we actually did do studies. We actually did look at break-even points. We did look at markets where we felt that we could draw a house in a smaller venue and do television and hopefully at least break even
2: on your production. Who was in charge? Versus going in the hole right. on every production. Who was in charge of finding uh, local promoters to help sell tickets for these live events? Because that's a separate side of this television production business we've been talking uh, about that, so far.
1: I guess it was Andy Barton and the marketing people. I don't know. It was a fucking mess, though. Oh, it was a horrible mess. Because uh, well, nobody cared. Yeah. They were happy if they drew 500 people as long as they did their $34 a head merchandise.
2: Are you saying real numbers right now, like that's what their goal was, $34 a head? They were happy, yeah. So it didn't matter the number of tickets sold as long as the merch per head was there. No,
1: I'll tell you, we we did a show in Dallas, uh, Pay-Per-View, and it was Austin uh, Aries and Jeff Hardy, and it was legit, you know, 5,000 people sold tickets. Actually, people bought tickets to see the event. Yeah. It was one of the largest uh, gates and houses in TNA history at the time. Yeah. And they were upset. Why? Because I think they only did like $15 a head or something like that. For merchandise. For merchandise. For merchandise. Yeah. And I'm like, so we just drew more money than you have in the history of the company. But your average sold more tic- Sold more tickets than you ever have for any event. But you're upset. Well, the, the per head went in half. But you had 4,500 more people paid to the event.
2: Which would have been a bigger Than, than your that. other average. Been a bigger net, yeah.
1: It's bigger across the board.
2: Of course, of course. You sold more merchandise,
1: but because you saw, oh my God, we're going to have 5,000 people.
2: Do you think some of that motivation, what you're saying right there, sounds like somebody who's paid based on what the average is?
1: It sounds care? like somebody that has no clue what the hell they're doing in the business that they've invested in that sits in Dallas, Texas, and doesn't understand and only looks at per heads and says, well, we did 34. This is a failure. Well, that's simple math, though, what you're saying. There, it is simple math, but they're not looking at both sides of it. They don't want to look at the fact that, okay, we drew 4,500 more, so to them we should have gotten that 4500 the 35 or $38 per head off of the 5000 like we do with our 500 Yeah. Still did great. Right. Still did money. Still made a lot of money.
2: So uh, I want to get to Andy Barton in a minute, but overall. There's not much to get to. Do you think that the decision to move to live tapings was a, Smart one, or it was just they didn't have the right staff to make it happen? Well, It's I easy think, to armchair quarterback now. Sure it is.
1: Um, I think it was a smart one, uh, but I don't think that it was smart the way it was executed. I yeah. thought that it was rushed into. We weren't ready. We laid out the idea, and we wanted to plan it out and make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. It was like, okay, let's go live. Okay, let's do it. We're going to do it next Thursday.
2: Uh, everybody wants to know this, uh, whether we want to talk about it or not, we probably ought to, and then we'll run through the rest of this behind the scenes names list and we'll get out of here. Victory road, 2011, the Jeff Hardy story. Um, kind of curious through what happens. Did you see Jeff earlier in the day? I did. I saw Jeff earlier in the day. I saw Jeff about seven o'clock that night. So about the time the pay-per-view started. Yeah. So where are you sitting for this pay per view? I was all over. I mean, I I wasn't sitting anywhere. I kind of was all over. So you're not just working the gorilla position. No,
1: no, for that one, I was producing backstage stuff and interviews and kind of all over. uh,
2: Does everybody in the wrestling business call the gorilla position the gorilla position?
1: No, in TNA they called it the go position. You know, you can get cockadoodle do on your other show that you do, and you can ask him all these questions.
2: He named it the go position? I guess. Okay. I think it was a holdover from. So you're WCW. all over here in 2011 um, for Victory Road. Bischoff's a part of the show. Correct. Vince Russo is here for the show. Correct. The main event is Sting. He's going to be challenging for the world title with Jeff Hardy uh, in the main event. And you see him two two and a half hours prior to and he's fine matt hardy's on this show he works a couple matches before jeff when do you first realize houston we have a problem
1: when uh jeff's music started and they're yelling for jeff and jeff wasn't there and i left the area of the gorilla position there where i've been standing to go try and find jeff and when so i went
2: outside nobody had smartened you up at that point Smart me up to what? That Jeff's fucked up. Nobody knew Jeff was fucked up at that point. Okay.
1: So I go outside and I see two guys carrying Jeff. His feet are literally dragging the ground. Who are the guys? Bruno and Tilly, two guys that work there. Okay. Um, And so they're just true. Bruno and Tilly, underrated. Great guys, busted ass. I got to give them a shout out because they're two good guys. And Jeff was out of it. Jeff Jeff was under the influence of something. Yeah. And he was out of it and they got Jeff to the grill position. And while we're sitting there talking about, he's in no shape to go out there. He just walked out. He just walks right past you. Well, he didn't walk not like right in front of us, but we're standing there. And next thing you know, I'm looking on the monitor and go, Oh my God, he's out. How Uh, does that happen? Okay. You and I are talking. Yeah. Okay. And he walks right by and just goes, you don't think he's going to go out, but he did.
2: So, so nobody thought it was necessary to like take him by the hand and sit him down. They just thought, "Hey, he boy, knows." He's no, we didn't up. think he was capable of okay. getting up the stairs. He's weak into Bernie's almost. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now he's meandering down the ramp. Yeah. You have to be shitting bricks. Yeah. So you're seeing the monitor, you're standing and with Bischoff, and who else?
1: Eric was there, Sting was there, um, we got Dixie there, just saying, hey, you know, she's... Where she normally watch the show? I don't know. She likes to watch out
2: in the crowd. But she's back for this.
1: Well, yeah, we got her back there for that. I said, hey, he can't, well, you know, he's, he'll be all right. What's Russo saying? Well, Russo was in the truck, so I ran out to the truck to tell Russo what was going on, because I didn't want to talk about it over the...
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, headsets so went out and i said, Man, even though it was a parent
2: but you still wanted to respect a little bit of privacy or just yeah not just hear the dirty laundry
1: right not you know go get on a podcast and talk about all this shit so uh we came back and eric and i discussed we said well we can't work a match and it was just it was unprofessional. It was uncalled for. And, and we talked to Sting. And said, I said, need you to go out there and just beat him. Um, just go out.
2: Scale of 1 to 10. How pissed off is Sting?
1: Sting was pissed. Sting was about a uh, 108 on a scale of 1 to 10 at that point. And
2: was he screaming and cussing absolutely, mad? No, he
1: doesn't scream and cuss. He was seething. He was <laughs> mad was, inside where it counts. It was apparent. Yeah. And I said, you know, you just need to go out there and get him down, pin him. Tell the ref, count three. We had Eric go out and actually try to tell Jeff, hey, we're going to beat you. Just lay down and let's get Bischoff out of this. Bischoff goes out. Yeah, Bischoff went out.
2: And says, he hey. He cut here's a promo
1: yourself. and then he put the microphone down and went over and told Jeff. Told Sting. That's what we're going to do.
2: And it was like a minute. And he pinned yep, him. And he pinned him. And was there any Jeff thought to, hey, we really screwed the fans here on the main event. We need to send somebody else out there and have another match after I realized you still had to deliver that, but it was horseshit. So was there any thought like, man, let's send Matt Hardy out or let's send Van Dam out or something.
1: At that point, it was more of a shock and let's get the fuck out of it. Um, cut our losses. There wasn't anybody right there to, to send
2: out. Yeah. And cause and a lot of guys may not realize this, but it's not like people imagine when, when your match is over, you go get your shit and you leave the building. Yeah.
1: And you know it was unfortunate, and Jeff left right after that. And wait, hang on.
2: What did he say to him after the match?
1: I didn't say anything to him. What but did Bischoff say? Bishop did. He left. Jeff kind of like just disappeared. I don't know if he went off the side or whatever, but no one saw when he came back, and he disappeared. But Terry was uh, Terry Taylor was in charge of talent relations at that time, and then well, well
2: that's not his. This isn't his fault. Hang on. Okay. Can I finish my story? Yeah. So
1: when I came in and, and took over town relations and Terry unceremonially had left, um, they asked me, so what are you going to do about Jeff Hardy? I said, well, t- first of all, tell me what was done about Jeff Hardy.
2: Yeah. That's a fair question.
1: They said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, is he f- f- suspended? Is he, you know, what was the fine? When's he coming back? What, what are we doing here? I said, well, I don't know. They did nothing? No one ever talked to him. He left that night,
2: and allegedly no one ever talked to him. How long ago, I mean, how much time passes? At this point, probably about four weeks. So they've been sending him checks every week for a month.
1: Oh, I'm sure they didn't miss his.
2: But nobody talked to him? Nobody talked to him. This is the ostrich analogy you started talking about at the beginning of the show.
1: Yeah. So So I had to be the shit heel and call him and say, hey, man, you know, um it's unprofessional and put us in a shitty position, put you in a shitty position and we're going to have to suspend you until you can get some help. So the idea was for him to get some counseling, get some help. And when he was right, bring him back. And he did that, you know, he was going through some tough shit at the time. He did that. He got it cleaned up and, um, I never saw him even remotely to where you could think, well, I wonder if he's had a drink or something like that. Um, Not once. And got his shit straight. Came back, apologized to the locker room. Everybody accepted it. And was a model citizen. And now he's reinvented himself. And he and his brother both are reinvented and
2: relevant again. Yeah. And it's important to say here, we're not burying Jeff Hardy. It's really a a positive story. He had a lot of challenges. It's a success story absolutely he had a lot of challenges in his life in 2011 he has an arrest um and he you know worked through that worked through this and now seemingly on the other side and doing real well so uh it's a success story and he got the you know he's he's still very beloved by all the guys i don't know anybody who dislikes jeff hardy nope uh he is here in tna jeff hardy's here Uh, well we're not in tna oh Ah, oh, uh, yeah thank god we don't have a tax lien either uh we he's here in tna and i've got insurance so. real tired for i mean let's just call it like it is he was one of the most over talents in wwe and he winds up in tna for a reason similar to the one that kurt angles here for your head of talent relations Y'all just don't drug test shit down there. Am I right? They drug
1: test people. No, they did drug test people.
2: How does that work? How do these guys who are super over and stars and needle movers in both places, and specifically we're saying Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy, can't make it work in WWE, no problem in TNA?
1: Well, the drug tests were for the athletic commissions in the different states, like, uh, I want to say Washington State or Oregon and... The states that had them, so they had to do a drug test, and at the first of the year, uh, they would come in, do physicals, do drug tests, and send them out. But
2: that's it. That's it. How'd you if feel? If there
1: was reason, if there was reason to suspect someone was on drugs, and we'd do a drug test.
2: How many times do you remember doing that? Freestyle that. I uh, I know I did it at least three times. Same guy. Um. No. Three different guys two different guys okay and the idea was you didn't feel like they were safe you felt like they were a hazard to other people what was the motivation what gets you to say oh we got to direct that guy just to catch him oh god no
1: no i mean that that's a that's that's a horrible reason to to no i agree the if someone is is impaired you don't want them out there Potentially to hurt hurt someone so rather else than, and hurt themselves.
2: So rather than just look at them and do, do the eye test and say, hey, you're fucked up, you can't go. Instead, you just say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I go did and, both. Okay. I gave them an opportunity to tell me. And if they said no, then you followed up with okay, here. Okay, great. Cool, man. Then you because got no problem because, doing this.
1: Because there's a feeling here, and I'm one of them, that, that feel that you you're not right. So I'm going to need you to put this in here so that I can then take it away from everybody that thinks you might be a little fucked up right now. Wow. That's yeah. a real
2: way to pitch it. But
1: then if they balk at having a piss in the bottle, then you have your doubts. Or they take it right then and go go do their business and hand it back to you and it's clean. And you go, okay, man, something's not right. we got to fix it. And But if they, you know, come Did back
2: you- and they're dirty... So you had your chance you could have told me so this is like one of those gnc tests that you just do right in no it was it was with the facility uh i believe it's aegis or something like how'd that. you turn it so fast in orlando you you didn't you
1: had to give it to them you didn't get the result back for like a day or two
2: okay but i uh, wouldn't let them work if there was suspicion oh okay no okay uh but you still paid them i mean they're innocent until proven guilty right? they are um
1: is just there, for the record, they were all guilty. but
2: Sure, I have no doubt. Is there any sort of um, commentary you can give? I mean, I just want you to just don't work it. I mean, just shoot from the hip here. Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle are superstars, big needle movers. Vince clearly sees, man, this is fucking bad. And, and Vince gives a lot of latitude. And these guys find their way to TNA still. And have careers there. Is there no responsibility there whatsoever, you think? What do you mean? Well, I mean, Vince doesn't just turn down money. He's not allergic to money. So for him to take a pass on these guys, there's something there. Yeah. No concern for their safety. It's just, oh, look what we got. Well, I think that I I can tell you.
1: When I got there and I would ask the questions, I would say to somebody, hey, our, here's the rumor and innuendo. You know, here's the scuttlebutt. This is what I've heard. Yeah. Any, tr- any truth to that? You have to take them at their word at that point. But if you start seeing things that are suspect. You're
2: saying with the talent. You'd say, hey, I'm man. i hear, with the talent. I hear yeah. you're fucked up. Yes. Okay.
1: And I would say it's just like that, too. Yeah. Um, give them an opportunity to say, you know what? I was fucked up, but I got my shit together.
0: It's okay. Man, I'm going to
1: be keeping an eye on you. And if you fuck up, I am going to test you. And well, we do have a checks and balances here. I can't have you being fucked that's, up around. That's here. really hard to argue. So, but you can't you can't go in and say, "Oh, well he was fuck up up there and I heard he was fuck up up there, so we're we're not going to use him." We give a guy a second chance because they may not be that same person in a different environment. But I would, I would address it with them because I I just wanted them to know that,
2: that I know or I've heard. Yeah. Change my mind. Sure. Well, um, that's interesting. Let's run through some, some quick names here and then we'll wrap this up. You said a minute ago, not much to say about Andy Barton. Tell everybody listening. Who the hell's Andy Barton? What's he do?
1: Andy Barton was like the executive vice president of operations and he handled uh, marketing. He handled uh, booking the buildings, international deals, stuff like that.
2: What territory did he
1: come from? He came from the Dixie Carter ad agency territory.
2: So no wrestling background? Zero. Just somebody who's one of her confidants from a previous failed business. Correct. Okay. Um, Dean Broadhead. He's a name that people have only become familiar with since the Billy Corgan lawsuit, I believe. Maybe some other people before. But that's for the first time a lot of people listening to this would have seen his name. Who is Dean Broadhead, and uh, where did he break into the business? You want
1: the one word, or you want the name association? Give me whatever you want to give me. Dishonest.
2: No wrestling background? No. Uh, What is his background? He flew fighter jets in Vietnam. Any famous quotes you can attribute to him? No. Okay. I guess if you're named in a lawsuit, we're going to move along. Uh, Surge. Surge. Dixie's husband. I like Surge, man. Surge was a lot of fun. What's your favorite Surge uh, entrance music? Uh, For those of you who don't know, Surge Trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. It is is a hit.
1: It's catchy. Hey, man, Dale Oliver, the guy that works on the music with Surge, is a great guy, and he's a hell of a talent.
2: Yeah, I think they're on the outs now. Are they really? Yeah, I don't think they're paying Dale either. Oh, well, good. Then fuck them, because Dale's (laughs) a real talent.
1: Because Dale's a real talent. Um,
2: But, no, I I like Surge, man. I've never had a problem with Surge. Eric Bischoff leaves WCW. Uh, He's working with Jason Hervey at one point. They're suing TNA. Uh, for unpaid, uh, royalties. you said they
1: leave WCW. They left TNA.
2: Well, they left them both. Uh, right. the TNA situation when he leaves, are you there when Bischoff leaves or not? no? Uh, I left in July, of 2013. What did, uh, Harvey do for TNA when you were around?
1: Uh, BHE productions, Bischoff Hervey entertainment, right? Uh, they were partners and they were the executive producers. So it was like they were co-executive producers of the show. Jason would come in and Jason would shoot some of the backstage vignettes with his crew and try and give them a different feel and, and help guys out. I thought Jason did a hell of a job with this. stuff. He worked worked his ass off.
2: Oh, I I didn't say that he didn't. I was just, you know, letting people know. Uh, do you think there's any truth to the whole. Talk that there's some nepotism here with Brooke Hogan being on TV, and Garrett Bischoff being on TV. There's definitely talk about it, sure. Were they worthy of their spots? Yes or no? I think that uh Brooke
1: got put into an unfair position because I think people because of the music, because of the music, and I think because people thought sure that Hulk would really love this, and I don't think Hulk really loved it. um As far as Garrett, it was simply a situation. Uh, Put Garrett out there. Garrett wanted to be a wrestler. Um, they made him pay his dues, refereeing for a year, um, gave him gave him an opportunity. He has a name, hardworking kid, uh, honest kid. If his name was uh, Garrett Jackson, you know, would we be examining it no. the same way? No, you wouldn't. But the fact that his dad was Eric, it is what, it is, what it is. It is what it is. And Garrett, you know probably not made for the wrestling business. It
2: doesn't mean that he didn't train really hard and do the best that he could. How does Wes Briscoe wind up in TNA and not with WWE? He was with WWE. Well, you know what I mean? Like he had a much longer run in TNA. Well,
1: Jerry Briscoe is a friend of mine. And when Wes wasn't picked up by WWE, they had an idea they were going to start him and then they just cut him. Um, I'd always been a big fan of Wes's and he was young, very green, but I, I thought that we could build something with him and put him in a position where he could work with some older guys. Get the rub.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and teach him. So to me, uh, having young guys like that, that had never been to WWE, these guys that we can mold, that we can build, that can be TNA guys. And with Garrett and, and then with Wes, it was just something to build on to, you know, the youth movement that everybody accused us that we never had. Was Hogan still there when you left? Yes. Did for you, about another, yeah. For maybe about another month or so.
2: Did you have any, um, that doesn't work for me, brother conversations? What do you mean? I don't. Well, there's this perception online rumors and innuendo that, uh, Hogan would sometimes see what was written. And then at the last minute say it doesn't work for me brother okay bullshit i can tell by the reaction um vince russo he was gone before you were gone and now of course he came back and had another he was debacle. gone he was gone in january of two thousand um how does that come about rumors and innuendo is that he's very paranoid at the time and there's lots of talk that he was um always looking over his shoulder and people were trying to screw him and blah, blah, blah.
1: Well, I've heard him say himself that I would meet with Dixie Carter behind his back to get his job. And the truth of the matter is, is there was a situation where I was in Nashville. Eric Bischoff was in Nashville. and Russo was in Nashville. All three of us, you know, none of us lived in Nashville. We were all there at the same time. And we were told we were going to have a meeting in the morning so we all get there, and we're doing our own thing. I think Eric was called in first, then Vince Russo, then me. And in my meeting, I was told that they had spoken to Russo, and that Russo would simply be a television writer. And Eric would continue on as the executive producer, but he would have a kind of an arm's length on the creative end of things and, and the creation of it, but that I would... Then be seen. Uh, I would oversee all the production and all of the programming and writing. So I became executive, uh, executive or senior vice president of programming and talent relations.
2: So, Eric, so when you got all these new job titles, so did you get a bump? You, at that time, yeah, I, I did. Good for you. Yeah. That was a long, no, was, pregnant pause there.
1: Well, it was one of those. I told I was told my bump was going to be one thing, and then it came back and actually was something else.
2: Were the checks in the mail? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I just thought of this. I've heard that TNA would sometimes send empty FedExes. Ah, that's a new one. Just so it would be... Oh, I forgot to put the check. Just give them a couple extra days. Oh, my God. That that doesn't... that Again, doesn't shock me. Um... So Vince is on the outs. Is that the meeting where? It, well, the the meeting the
1: meeting is you're going to continue Vince doing what's your thing, but it's going to go to uh, it's going to go to Bruce right. and Bruce and Eric will finalize it and get it back to you and you guys write it out and we'll go produce it. Um, but no, I didn't go. To, I didn't know any of this until after Dixie and Dean had met with Eric and then met with Russo and then met with me and told me about their meetings with Russo and and Eric. Um, Vince Russo's narrative is, is that I went in and lobbied for his job. I didn't want his job, right? but that I'd gone in and lobbied for his job to get him out. And for me to be in charge, I was simply a guy that needed a job that was happy to work and sure, I'll do it. You know, that's what you need me to do. I'll be happy to do it. Um, and the idea was that Russo would stay on. But he was unhappy with that role.
2: Not being the top
1: guy. I guess. And he wanted out. So he quit.
2: Jeff Jarrett. uh, what What was the relationship with he and the company when you left? Spend my days working hard on the go. But the hands on the clock
1: keep spinning too slow. I can't wait. To be alone with my baby tonight.
2: Is that an answer? It's a song. I remember the song. With
1: my baby tonight.
2: So, we <laughs> <gonna, we're... laughs> what <laughs> Jerry, hang with me. I know it's passionate. J E, double F, J
1: A, double R, E, double T. ha
2: ha. Well, <laughs> when you leave, what's he doing with the company? Who? Jeff. I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, When I leave, Jeff
1: Jeff was pretty much removed. But then right after I leave, I hear he came back. How was he removed? Can you see that? Uh, he just stopped coming in. They didn't explain a lot to you, man. It was so you're, like, Jeff's not here. Well... Who's doing this? Uh, we'll go take that to so-and-so. But. All But
2: right, let's talk about, I want to finish with the Carters, but first, you finish in TNA. How does that come to an end?
1: comes to an end that I'm asked that the directive came down from uh, Beelzebub in uh, <laughs> Dallas that I have to move to to Nashville, and I hemmed and hawed about it. And, and I was given advice to just draw it out, because apparently Russo had been given the same ultimatum many, many years ago. Who told and, you to stick your head and, in the sand and do the ostrich? And uh, several people, they, they said, "Well, just keep coming," and then you know they'll ask you about it every once in a while, and you just tell them that, "Yeah, I'm I'm getting on that." I didn't want to do that. I told them. The truth. I said, you know, when I started here, I had one caveat. The only caveat I had was got to live in Houston. We got family members. and I have a situation where my family members have to live in Houston. Yeah. I'm not moving. Can't. And they said, that's absolutely not a problem. We'll never be a problem. We would never ask you to move. And then they asked me to move. And when I said, you know, when I started here, we had this deal. Well, you know, Beelzebub wants you to. I said, okay, well, I can't do that. Well, think about it. So I took some time off, and while the while I was taking time off, they were sending out release letters to talent, not asking me, not telling me, nothing. Sending out letters and having the the travel guy call and fire people who was on released the phone.
2: while you were gone. Or are you on uh, Doc Gallows, uh, WWE superstar
1: now. Um, Lisa Marie, Hall of Famer um, for sure. There were a few, yeah. And so it, it's you, know, and they're calling me, going, "Hey, what the hell?" And I'm like, "I don't know," but I'm on vacation. So then, when I get off vacation, they call me and they said, well, "What's your decision?" I said, "Well, my decision is the same decision it's always been." So, well, here's the deal. You need to be here by the end of next week, living here. Or we just don't have anything for you. I said, so you're saying if I'm not moved out of Houston and living in Nashville by next Friday,
2: that I'm fired? I said, yep. So well, I guess I'm fired.
1: Because that ain't going to happen.
2: What month and year was that, and who's telling you that? July
1: 2013, in that conversation, the initial conversation was with Dean Broadhead.
2: Mr. Dishonest himself, and I had
1: and I had had uh, many conversations with Dixie too, and Dixie's always, we'll, we'll work something out, and yeah, and then uh, the next thing I know is I'm reading online that I'd been fired, and that me and D-Lo Brown had both been fired, and so Dilo was an agent at the time, yes. And so I called Dixie. Of course, she didn't take my calls, but I sent her a text. I said, it was really great to, to read about my demise on the internet. And I still haven't even gotten spoke to speak to you. And she
2: sent me back. I'll call you tomorrow. And didn't No. you have spoken to Dixie since then. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are on okay terms now. I don't know. Yeah. They owe you any money.
1: You know, they did something that was um, really bad. I, I had uh, I had some financial issues, and and they were supposed to pay back and to the government and so on and so forth. And they didn't do it. They garnished things from my
2: checks. So you had withholdings yes. from the federal government, right? And that, they were they were that supposed TNA kept kept that didn't weren't included in your checks, but then they didn't actually pay the government. Correct. And Then the government came after me for payment. So They stole your money.
1: Yeah. How much money did they steal for me? Oh, that was about. It was. It was only about ten thousand dollars. Still. But still, the just the. And you never got it. The arrogance. Well, it wasn't coming to me, but the government finally. The government finally got it. Oh, good. Because it was the government coming after me for the money.
2: And you and you showed them
1: proof. Hey, it was them help proof. From hey me. Here's where they took it.
2: I did my part.
1: So I don't know, cause I never heard the end of it other than the government was satisfied. And it was just those, those kind of little petty things that didn't have to happen. That right. Were, made you
2: kind of feel dirty at the end. Well, Beelzebub, uh, I send that's code for Janice. That's what you say. You got any good Janice Carter stories? I love the $8 breakfast. You got anything else? you know
1: janice just had a way of thinking that everything all businesses are the same yeah and because they were successful building power plants that they'll be successful having a wrestling company why hulk hogan wrestles for me
2: oh she liked to say it like that uh, bob liked to say it like that
1: you know, Hulk Hogan, he wrestles for me. Yeah. Sure does. Um, They just, you know, I would hear stories about how, what stand-up people they were and and what... Uh, You'd hear that from who? People. Jim Ross told me that how, mm. how great they were and that he'd love to work with them. And I called Jim at one point and I said, man, are you sure you met? Like, Janice and Bob, because, I mean, how much time did you spend with them? Uh Um, And I'm sure they could be very nice and very pleasant people. Like I said, Dixie, man, go party with Dixie. Go have a steak with Dixie and a couple bottles of wine. You'll have a blast. She's a really sweet, smart, nice lady. But have shit break down and need an answer for something. There were times that that we needed answers for things that they just wouldn't answer the phone. Now, think about this. I'm the senior vice president of talent relations or programming and talent relations. right? But I can't get the president of the company, the CFO of the company, or the owners of the company. To take a phone call or call me back. Hmm. I went almost three weeks one time with none of them calling me back. With some pretty major shit. I would come into the office. I would come into Nashville. If I was coming into the office, if they knew I was in town, they wouldn't come into the office. Just to avoid this topic. I guess. It it got crazy. So yeah, I'm 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 shocked it's taken so long for a lot of this to come out and um they've got some pretty evil people there.
2: If Janice is a stickler about breakfast. But Janice isn't there anymore, you know, I guess. I I'm just know. saying if, if mm-hmm. how are they paying uh, Hogan and Bischoff? Who said they were? I'm gonna freestyle based on what you just said. was spike paying them? Who said they were? I think that's a nugget that I don't know that's out there i don't I don't know Wow, so all this talk amongst all the boys all these years that Hogan and Bischoff were siphoning off the money. That money wasn't even coming from the TNA bucket. I'm, I'm, I'm freestyling. That was coming from spike. You're freestyling. You're not correct. Dixie Carter. Let's finish it up. Finish it up. Besides splitting checks for beers and sweet tea. Besides we'll figure it out. Besides, well, he's always like this with Jeff Jarrett or, um, Jeff Hardy besides sting anything else to offer about Dixie Carter perception would be to me as a rule of thumb and this is me saying this I'm a small business owner I built my small business you know on a handful of thousand dollars and then little by little we grew We had a little engine that could and when we could afford to do something we did I didn't go do crowdfunding. I didn't go do a round of fundraising. I didn't uh, raise money. I sold and made money. And through that, grew the business. It seems as if this is not the way TNA was ever ran. And there was never a real focused pursuit of profit. And it seems as if The nail in the coffin financially from a business standpoint comes when they lose the spike deal, which you could trace back to some stuff that Dixie does. They go to destination America, the ridiculous email, they lose that deal. Now they're on pop TV. They lose their lease. They don't pay state taxes. They run up an American express bill. They don't pay. They're using a personal credit card to book travel. She gets personal loans from Billy Corgan. It just seems this is all allegedly, I should say, but it just seems as if once that spike deal goes sideways, the business is going downhill and in a hurry. And from a fan perspective, when AJ Styles is allowed to leave, it's over. Dixie didn't see AJ the way Vince McMahon sees him now. He's the champ that runs the camp. She instead pursued other former names and tried to continue to do more of what had been done in the past. And now it's almost been a comedy of errors. But everybody to a man says, she's a nice lady. She's a great nice lady. I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying is, is that just a really nice way in the South? When we're really shitting on someone, we say, oh, bless her heart. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> is that not what this is, kind of? Oh, she's a nice lady. I mean, she's fucking stupid and can't run her business for shit. And it's just ruined a lot of great opportunities. But she's a nice lady. That feels, I'm not saying that's what people are saying, but that's the kind of impression I get when I hear people talk about Dixie Carter. Because everybody likes her. You just said, have a steak with her, have a drink with her. And I've met her multiple times. She's very charming. She's a nice lady. I appreciate all that. But it feels as if that's just, that's the least we can give her. Can you give us anything good about Dixie Carter? Cause all we hear is this negative. Yeah. She's a wonderful mother. I mean, about
1: wrestling. Oh, she's kept it going this long.
2: <laughs> I and mean, that's true. Well, I mean... That's true. It's true. a lot of people thought it would, it lasted a lot longer of than WCW. thought it would,
1: a lot of people thought it would have been dead a long time ago.
2: But well, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been dead if she didn't have parents willing to take double digit million dollar losses? Maybe, maybe uh, if
1: those parents had stopped taking those double digit losses and, and let someone come in and actually run it
2: someone other than their daughter then who knows what would have happened. It feels to me like when you have non-wrestling people like a Barton or a Broadhead, admittedly, I don't know them, but I do know that their background isn't wrestling based on your testimony to me. It feels as if those people are in those positions. It becomes a situation where you don't have someone that you can necessarily trust to do the job. It's just someone that you know you can trust. And so Dixie may have looked around and said, Hey, I've known this guy a long time. We've worked together in other arenas. I can trust him rather than I can trust that he's the best guy for the job. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Would that have made any difference at all? No. So it's not just a key hire situation.
1: It it was a,
2: no, because every key
1: hire that they, that they put in, they, they had different people in some of those positions And it just didn't work, but it comes from the top. It comes from the top, and when I say it comes from the top, there it it goes back to Dallas and in those big corner offices. uh, So
2: you're saying Dixie was never really empowered?
1: No, she never was. And then you got, and then when you get to the level of Dixie and Dean, that each one of them thought that the other one was in charge, or or thought that they were in charge, and, and so there was know. a
2: little power struggle at times between Dan and Dixie. Oh yeah, okay, I didn't know yeah. that.
1: You know, and you got your CFO talking to the mother, and then talking to Dixie, and, and it's just and working. so then it
2: becomes a little infighting, yeah. pissing contest about yeah. trying to prove the other one wrong. Yeah, and everybody's fiddle fucking
1: around, and it's just horrible.
2: we're not worried about profit; we're worried about being right.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: Or if if we if these numbers don't work, well, let's see if
1: these numbers will. Oh, just to get approval in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Or if we don't tell Dallas and we just do it, they, they won't find out. let we'll just mark it down under something
2: else. Like the spike deal. Didn't say that. No, I freestyled that. I made oh. that up. Okay. Bruce Richard didn't say shit. Okay. She didn't correct me either. and You'd gladly call me a dumbass. You'd look for reasons to do that. Anything else you want to mention about TNA? we went really long. It's our longest show ever. No.
1: Uh, the, the, i tell you one talent who, who excelled during my time there, Taryn Terrell. Wow. Taryn Terrell was uh, living in, I think she was living in New Orleans. She would call me every week, ask me for something. She hadn't trained in a while. And, had an idea to bring her in as a referee. It took forever to get that approved and, and get her in. But when she finally started working and doing her stuff, I thought she blew everybody away. and yeah. I thought she was an excellent, excellent, fresh surprise. Uh, I consider her a success story, and that's all on her because she went out there and busted her butt. And... The stupid-ass, silly shit they did with her after I left when the beautiful people and all that crap I thought was horrible because she was so good on her own.
2: But that's me. You're talking about silly shit. I can't help but think about this uh, AJ angle that they did, the pregnancy thing. Do you think that really helped open some eyes in WWE? I know I just yeah. freestyled that, that that's crazy, but... That seems like a WWE style angle and AJ pulled it off and did a pretty damn good job with it. That's where you saw AJ's personality for the first time. Yeah. And acting chops. Yeah.
1: And I think that probably helped considerably.
2: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That He was right there that whole time. Maybe the best worker in the business. Uh, speaking of workers, I don't know how we missed this. Okada. Once upon a time, New Japan. Uh, doesn't even want to do anything with TNA anymore because of how poorly he was used when he was in TNA. And they make a big issue about Vince Russo can't be involved, and they swear he's not involved. And then it comes out, of course, he's involved. Um, But I wasn't involved in any of that. No, you weren't involved in any of that. But you you were there when Samoa Joe has Okada with him. Yes. And they dress him up like the Green Hornet or kato kato yeah 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 um do you think vince russo had ever even seen the guy work or he just knew he was asian hey here's what we'll do
1: i don't think he had ever seen him work
2: one of the best performers in the business i don't know that he was the best performer in the business
1: at that time either but he but.
2: is now that's what i'm saying is okay he wasn't even given an opportunity to show any of that he's tall which is unique
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh he has a good look
1: i agree with all that
2: yeah Anything else about TNA? I know we just kind of sidebarred those few little no, names, I, but
1: I, I, I really can't. So I, I hope everybody enjoys it. I hope that, uh, it's what they were looking for. I don't know. We kind of good God. We talked forever.
2: We did. We appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for all the support. We'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard.
1: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend
2: golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Tylus and Callaway and and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you can pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf
1: guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen.